Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm not the best analogy guy. So, you, you know, you give a mouse a cookie, you want a glass of milk. Gabe, in a break, just gave me a, a Fields analogy. It's unreal how Bears fans have watched this for three years, and they're still, like, totally on board with it. And I said, I've driven the Justin Fields lease for three years, and I, and I don't want to buy it. I want to move on from this car. I want something new. And even I know, and the next car might not be better. I might not love it as much. But I'm ready to drive something new. But you know you don't want to buy this one. This is not it. I've seen some other cars out there that are that are nice. And people talk about the Kia Telluride. <laughs> I need to talk to you about um, cars. Oh, cars. cars. Yeah. Use your brakes. Don't floor it. Please. Then you throw a rod, you, you flood your carburetor, you crack your block. You understand what I'm saying? Nah, man. <laughs> no sex before marriage. You know what it is, and you don't want to be committed to it. Anyone who's ever leased a car has absolutely been in that situation. If you buy the new car, you're kind of like, it's like a Lamborghini. Okay, but those new cars have concrete features that are better than the car before. It's it's better Bluetooth. It's more features on the dash. Yeah, it's wireless more car holders. Yeah. More acceleration. It's got more power. It's got better handling. It's got what? It's got more leg room for your legs. It's got more power. You just said that. And the thing with these new QBs, though, their value plummets the second you drive them off a lot <laughs> into Hallis Hall. The value just goes way down. Yep. So. But it just it hit me. I was like, damn, that is exactly what this is. That is exactly what it is. There are no wrong answers. So let's go around the room. And you just go ahead and call out features you'd love to see implemented in your ideal car. What are some ways we can make it family friendly? No a space for mother-in-law. That's not helpful. Shut up, Paul. You probably love your mother-in-law. I actually do. Oh my god! He made it! One, two, three, and here we go, Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. We go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That really was a great analogy. That Justin Fields is the three-year lease yeah. where it treated you well. You didn't always treat it well, but it's up and they <laughs> present you with the opportunity to buy the car. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. There are better options out there with newer uh, features that I just happen to be able to get for cheaper. 
that I want to explore. Well, like you, you got your, your child seat already locked in in the yeah. back. It's good to go. You, you know how everything fits in the carousel. On you know the back what it end. does and doesn't do. Mm-hmm. It still surprises right. you from time to time. On occasion. I, I didn't sure. know you could do that. Your programs are programmed in, man. You know every station that you love is just already in there and it, ready for you. Exactly. I was like, I, Gabe said it like offhand, off air. I was like, dude. Top of the five, man. That's a strong analogy. That was, right. that was really, really strong. Gabe's good with the analogy. Yeah, it's no, like, not 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 his, uh, not my go. Yeah, yeah, see, I I yeah, I listened to a like, decent amount of Colin Cowherd in my life, and I was just like, well, I could never do the analogy thing. Okay, so I'm gonna try a different form of sports talk hosting. <laughs> like, like you, that's the craziest analogy game I'd ever heard. And uh, so yeah, I leave I leave that to uh, to the professionals. And Gabe, yeah. Gabe was Gabe was right there. Right. So, yeah, we'll talk to uh, the new voice of the White Sox coming up in an hour. Dave Wanstead in 90 minutes. Looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, Wani, of course, but talking to John Schriffin, that's going to be a good combo, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it'll, I think it'll be very interesting, uh, the situation that he's walking into. Um, your guy, Jim Harbaugh, gets this job. The dust mm-hmm. has settled since yeah. you and I have last spoken. Like, right. you know, Belichick hasn't landed. Vrabel hasn't landed. Uh, Boomer Esiason says that Ben Johnson will be the coach of the commanders because there are coaches who are still coaching, obviously, this mm-hmm. weekend who could get head coaching jobs. A lot of people really upset about, like, the coaching timeline of everything. What are they supposed to do? Guys make the playoffs. Guys make the Super Bowl. Is everybody supposed to wait until everybody's done coaching? I don't I, know. Yeah, probably not, but I knew that, like, I said it on the air, like, if I was a Lions fan last week, my defensive coordinator took four interviews during mm. the week of the game, and my offensive coordinator took five, I would be a little concerned. That's also been going on for 100 years. I know. Like, it's not new. I'm not saying it's new. <laughs> I'm not, and teams I'm, find a way to win the Super Bowl despite that. Oh, but sometimes they lose. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> they, they do. Some, sometimes. <laughs> I, but what's interesting about that is, who was the coach that you had that was the craziest of, like, like Andy Reid sleeping with a cot? At the facility, type uh, of crazy. Jim, Jim Moore Jr. in Atlanta was was super intense with that kind of stuff. Like, just never got the impression he went home. Right, and, you know, fizzled after a few years in Atlanta of some decent success. Right, I just I would think like you would maybe look at this and be like, oh, the Lions coordinators were able to spend what I mean. What do you think? Those interviews, they're virtual interviews at this right. point. Yep. Probably three hours, mm-hmm. maybe. You got to yeah. be a little bit of a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah. So Ben Johnson did five three-hour interviews plus prep time mm-hmm. leading up to the divisional round. Yep. That's 15 hours where he wasn't game planning for, for Tampa. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Glenn did four of them, so that's 12 hours that he wasn't game planning for pay. And they still figured out a way to win. You would think that maybe the coaches could like take their kids to school. You know, you know, you know what I mean. Like the odd thing is, there's a reason a lot of coaches have a dozen kids because they go home, they hang out with their wife, they don't really spend a lot of in season time with the kiddos, and then from there it's like, oh, the off season, let's take one cruise and I'm gonna get back to being a coach. I guess I'm just like, it, it, if it works, go have a little bit more work life balance. Well, that's why. I mean, in Jim Harbaugh's scenario here. Coaching in the NFL, the schedule of that is so much more manageable than being a college football coach, which is truly year-round and nonstop and 24-7 because it already was, and then you add in name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal, trying to retain your roster one season to the next, and also just full-on year-round game planning to some extent like you do in the National Football League. It is a truly endless slog of just constantly being in coach mode, whereas the NFL, you do have a legitimate offseason. Yeah, the – 
when college salaries started to get huge and like really get like when Mel Tucker got his $95 million deal and was like, I don't know that you've done enough to actually right. earn that. Yeah. It is a worse job. So you got to pay uh-huh. more. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, the, the lifestyle of the college coach is much worse than the NFL. And I'm not surprised at all that Harbaugh went to the NFL. It bums me out that the Bears never considered it. That, really, that's what it just it bums me out. Yeah, that's that's like the easiest way because mm-hmm. it it just how they did it feels like small thinking, and all they've said since Kevin Warren has been here that it's going to just be about big thinking, mm-hmm. and so Ryan Poles dismissively saying he's the coach at Michigan. <laughs> like, what an idiotic question. He's the coach at Michigan. <laughs> um, no, he isn't. <laughs> and he used to play for your team, mm-hmm. and it he just also it, played for the Chargers, though. I know, as they were all over social reminding everybody of. It, I know. Remember those last two seasons where Jim Harbaugh actually played a little bit of football? That was here. Well, not here, but it was for our brand. Right, right, right. for our brand. Yeah, yeah. Not here. In, in that other place in this same state, it was somewhere else nearby and a long time ago. But he was here. He was briefly here. Yeah, it was. Do you think it'll work? Yes. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just what. That's what he does. That's what that I, I will be far more shocked if it doesn't work. And that's, you know, even despite knowing the talents of the QB. And I, I like Mario Cristobal. I liked Willie Taggart, like calling Justin Herbert's games in college. Oh, this is an uber talented quarterback who was down the street from Watson Stadium. How lucky are the Oregon Ducks? And then, you, you know, you get the, the coaching carousel that was there for Mark Helfrich, who was here in Chicago, to uh, Willie Taggart, to Mario Cristobal. But then in the end, Justin Herbert's talents won out enough for him to become a high draft pick still. And then he hasn't had great coaching, great head coaching in the NFL either. Now he will legitimately have that. This will be the best coaching environment that Justin Herbert has ever been in. And so if anything he's going to achieve from this point forward, Jim Harbaugh maximizes the QB and the full roster in in an exponential way everywhere he goes. Yep. They will, their roster is in a worse spot than the Bears because of age and cap situation. And you, you would know this better. You've interacted with him. I don't want to say bored. That's probably not right for any of these egomaniacs. But like, if they win a Super Bowl with the Chargers and there's a Super Bowl parade and he looks out and he doesn't see a big crowd, you know, like, Not all championships are created equal. Yeah, that's fair. You know, in terms of in terms of legacy and kingmaking. So for him, is it just like winning a Super Bowl? It's the last thing that he has to check off of his coaching bucket list, and he'll be one of the only coaches to have a Super Bowl and a national championship, and he'll be able to make the you know I'm one of the best football coaches any mm-hmm. level argument and all of that sort of thing. I, I I get Southern California, Herbert. I get why it's appealing, yeah. obviously. But a title for the Chargers is not the same as a title for the Bears. It just isn't. By comparison, yes. That, that, I think I'm, that's accurate. That's all and, I'm doing. I'm just comparing those two. Right. Now, I think if the Bears pursued Jim Harbaugh, I I believe Jim Harbaugh would have been more likely willing to if you just compare whatever packages they both put on the table. My impression is Jim Harbaugh would have been more likely to accept this situation in this city with this franchise. That's what I'm saying. Than the Chargers. Um but it's still going to be – if he wins a Super Bowl with the Chargers, it's still going to be pretty damn special. You of know I mean? of it's, course. You know, there, there's a very short list. Who, who is it? Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, surprisingly enough, uh, Pete Carroll, of course. And I think, like, Paul Brown kind of in the previous generation. But, like, modern era, it's, it's quite a list. And Jim Harbaugh has the potential to add himself to that. If we've won championships at the collegiate 
and the professional level. Yeah, just assigning those things to him, I'm like, he just seems to love the energy mm-hmm. and the passion of it. Yeah. Right, Winning a national championship at his alma mater would have been different than if he would have won it at Stanford. Right, It's just different yeah. uh, because of the personal tie-in. So I would have thought that, hey, man, like if he was really ready to do it this time, which he clearly was, but they weren't ready for him. They, a, they, they didn't want him. There's a number of Michigan people, though, who keep telling me that they – they feel like there was a legit chance for Michigan to keep him in Ann Arbor, and I, I think it's it was a greater than zero percent chance. But I don't know. Just we we've been watching this play. I was talking to you about it however many weeks ago. We've been watching this play out with Jim Harbaugh for quite a while now, and it was the the Vikings a couple of years ago who didn't offer him. Last year it was the Broncos who didn't offer him. He's wanted to get back to the league for a while now. Want to run some thoughts by you on the state of the Bears coaching searches relates to the personnel that they need to fill. You and I haven't talked since Shane Waldron has come in the door. Uh, Big Ant Heron in for Matt Spiegel. New White Sox voice, John Schriffen coming up at 325. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Parkinson Spiegel. Sounds like the law firm you call when you get a parking ticket. (laughs) Afternoons on the score. Anthony Heron in for Spiegs on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. What are you giggling about over there? Oh, just texting about Big Ten stuff. Big Ten basketball. You don't care about Big Ten basketball. That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Big Ten basketball. Laugh a minute. Better offense in Big Ten hoops than Big Ten football? Ooh, uh, yes, actually. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Now, well, I don't know. The, <laughs> team, the teams at the top. The teams at the top perform offense at a high level in both ways. So, you know what? They're, they're similar. Because Big Ten hoops, <laughs> there's some good defense being played, but part of it is bad offense as well. Yeah. Well, once you kind of get to the middle and bottom of the conference. So, similar in both, I'd say. Okay, yeah. Like Ohio State's amazing in offense in football. Purdue is amazing in offense in basketball. So, you got the teams at the top of the heap. And, you know, from there, it kind of fades a bit. Then it becomes Iowa football. Well, Iowa would be down <laughs> down there somewhere. You know? Yeah. yeah. But uh, yesterday I floated that Shane Waldron maybe doesn't tip their hand on Caleb V. Justin, mm-hmm. but that it might tip their hand on number nine because of how much 13 personnel he's run the last couple of years. Okay in Seattle, 
Brock Bowers. And people got very angry. I like the amount of thought you put into these things. Thank you. I, I put a lot of thought into this, buddy. Uh, that, like, oh, well, you don't like Cole Komet. There are bigger issues on the team. One of the toughest defenses that I've seen in my lifetime of watching football to defend was the Gronk, Aaron Hernandez, Patriots. Like, I don't think that Cole Komet would be some like extinct figure on mm. the Bears mm. if they drafted Brock Bowers. You want them to trade Komet? No, not yeah. at all. But like, what do you what, what do you think of the theory? Like the most the most popular guy is Roma Dunze, you know, a, mm. a, a wide a big wide receiver to pair with DJ Moore. Right. What do you think of the possibility of a big tight end to pair? Now with DJ I would Moore? say Marvin Harrison Jr. would probably be the more popular between the two, but both are viewed as elite well, receiver. Prospects. But I'm just saying, if they're drafting Caleb at one, they're not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. I see what you mean. At nine. At nine. I got That's you. what I'm okay. talking about. I'm, yeah. ta- I'm, ta- I'm talking about at nine. I'm talking okay. about what, what is the next biggest mm. offensive need, and do you think Shane Waldron in any way would his system, his play calling, would it tip your hand in, you know, in any direction on that pick? Obviously, he should enjoy both. He had mm. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba in Seattle. So clearly three wide receiver sets would be great. Right. And they used, like I said, uh, Desley uh, and uh, Noah Fant mm. a ton in Seattle too. So like it's all out there, but do you, do you have a preference between those two for the bears Bowers or Adunze? So you're going to get really upset when they take the top edge rusher at number nine. And I'm not going to get really like upset. I mean, they're <laughs> going to get radio mad about it. I no, I listen. I might get a little radio about I, mean, it. I might know, get a little radio about Because it. I like how your mind only has gone to offensive playmaker at number nine because if you take a quarterback at one, you got to get him a playmaker, right? But the Bears' defense, as I've heard you admit to, could still use some upgrading as well. So Significant. A- yeah, absolutely. I, listen, I think that in the offseason, if I was if, – if I ran the world, and I should. Uh, Imagine that. Caleb, an edge rusher, a center – and a second pass and a second pass catcher, yeah. like a an upgrade on second pass catcher, whether it's receiver or tight end, center, edge rusher, Caleb. Those would be my top four needs for the Bears. So yeah, I, I agree that edge rusher is a possibility yeah. at number nine. I'm just asking you in the context of Shane Waldron. If, okay. if she, I'm not dismissing edge rusher, I'm not, right. I mean, but if Shane Waldron had his pick of Roma Dunze or Brock Bowers. Who do you think he would prefer? Do you have a do you, or do you not feel like you can answer that question right now? Which I, is also totally fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't answer it with as much accuracy as I would be able to a month from now. But I, my, my immediate thought is that the the second wide receiver is, is something as far as just what what I know of Seattle's offense in recent years. You know, where sure multi tight end sets have have been more prominent in some ways, but as far as thinking of tight ends as big time playmakers in the pass catching category i think of seattle and two and three receivers in in certain games all having big games more so than i do multiple tight ends having big games in the same game so my my first blush reaction is that a number two receiver for the bears would be more likely more plausible than a number two tight end now obviously ryan poles matt eberflus what they would hope this bears offense would become would be a big part of that also and you know Robert Tunyon, you're thinking like, all right, he had a few nice grabs or whatever. He had that big drop that he had in the game this year. Yeah. You feel great about Tunyon being your second best tight end. Or if they just view it and say, you know what, we need more athletes, more playmakers. Brock Bowers, if he's the best guy on the board at number nine, let's just get him, and, and there will be better receivers still available in round two.
you'd be better at explaining the football porn of it than I am, but I think the the reason why it's so tough is if you have two tight ends like Komet and Bowers on the field together, it's basically impossible for the defense to have a a tip on if you're running or passing. Right. Right. Is, is that like the simplest way yes. of explaining? Yes. It, whereas, you know, three or four wide receiver sets, mm-hmm. more likely to be pass. Sing, right. Single back with a bunch of tight ends out mm-hmm. there, it's more likely to be to be a run. Right. When the offense runs big bodies on the field, the defense tries to get big bodies out there too. But when the offense is big bodies or versatile, and yeah, we can try to run it at you with multiple tight ends, but then also we have the ability to spread you out or to get into tight formations and get our guys in space. You're going to have trouble covering them because your little guy isn't going to be able to cover our big guy out in the open field, then you, you give the offense additional advantages when they're able to utilize their personnel as chess pieces that way. All right. Yeah, so I don't know, man. It's uh, it's very exciting. Like, I, I Bears fans seem very angry and very tense if I'm just judging the texters okay. and the callers and the internet. Mm-hmm. These are all fun hypotheticals. In theory, the Bears have good problems when right? it comes to this offseason, this draft. They can woefully screw it up if they get some of this stuff wrong. Oh, well, please. <laughs> we, <laughs> not going to put it past them. I'm not going to put it past them either. Do you have a scenario where right now you would predict that they screw it up? Um, like, like what I mean, if, if they don't develop Caleb Williams? Yeah, if they draft Caleb Williams and don't develop him adequately, which is part of the conversation, whether today or tomorrow, since I'll be back with you tomorrow, where I, I do think there are a number of teams. No, who, let's just do it. Let's talk about it. Okay. Like right this second. Well, yeah, yeah. And then into the next segment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the amount of teams who I actually I ran some numbers on it and everything. Where oh wow. Before this week, where I had more time, I got extra busy this week. Shockingly so. But uh, at the end of last week, I went through the last quarter century of every team in the NFL. How many quarterbacks had led them to the playoffs? Uh, how many times their record had been 500 or above? And there are a variety of examples of teams who haven't had kind of that one great QB. Or even in Green Bay's case, that those two great QBs that keep them, that keep them sustainable and have done a lot of winning over that period of time, far beyond anything the Bears have been doing, but the Bears are in the bottom half of the league in that regard. But getting the one great QB is, of course, the best-case scenario. But there are a number of examples around the National Football League of teams over the last quarter century who are consistently in the playoffs. Multiple head coaches, multiple quarterbacks who lead them to the playoffs. And, yes, there's only a few who win the Super Bowl all the time. So that is your best case scenario. But living in like the reality of what you're most likely to hit on, getting the right coach, having the right infrastructure to develop your quarterback at that time is a way to still sustain winning that yeah. a number of teams do at a much higher level than the Bears have. I mean, yeah, I mean, only a few have done it at a lower level than the Bears have. About half the league. Like I, I can actually, I can pull up the numbers I did. I, I talked through a little bit of this with Gabe last week. I, I can I can pull up some of the numbers and, and go into it because I, I had a couple hours. I think it was on Friday or something like that. I had a couple hours during the day, and then I was on with Gabe that night. And I was I was caught off guard. I was surprised by some of the numbers that I actually got into when I looked through just the last. You know, the Bears drafted a quarterback in the first round in 1999, and just comparing where they've been since then in drafting, I think it's been four first-round quarterbacks in that last 25 years of the Cade, teams in football. Cade, Rex, Mitch, and Justin. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And the, the teams in football who've been able to sustain winning far beyond anything the Bears have been doing with playoff appearances, Super Bowl berths, records of 500 or above with various quarterbacks and head coaches. And the, the get the quarterback right, yeah, the Patriots did that, and they've been great for a quarter century for the most part. Yeah. Green Bay did that. You could, I'd, I'd even put like put New Orleans in that conversation, too. I mean, the Colts, okay. First ballot Hall of Famer right. who yeah. was there for a decade. But there's yeah. a whole lot of teams who won at a really high level without like having that, that one guy. So whoever it is they go with, 
you got to get a lot of other stuff right for it to be sustainable. All right, well, let's go through some of the data. We'll talk a little bit about the White Sox play-by-play job before uh, John Schriffen joins us. Dave Wanstead and Brady Quinn at 4 o'clock. Anthony Heron in for Spiegel. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Parkinson Spiegel show flashback. 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 Number one pick, I'm taking Cal Williams. Uh, you know, he's a tr- transformative player, generational player. Uh, the things I see him doing on the field, very few players ever have I seen do what he does. And he's just a special player. Now, I don't know the man personally. I don't know what kind of guy he's like. Uh, I know he likes to paint his fingernails and put different things on his hands and jumps into the, to the stands and hugs his mom and all that other stuff. I, I, I don't know that part of him, but what I see on the football field is a can't-miss football player that is going to take some franchise uh, into the next decade, much like I would say Joe Burrow has, like Patrick Mahomes has. I'm putting him in that, in that level of player. And, of course, Josh Allen has uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So, to me... It's really a no-brainer. That was Boomer Esiason. He calls it a no-brainer. As much as I like Justin Fields, I do as well. You don't like Justin. You're out. Stop. You're done. You're done with Justin. Stop. It's basically dead to you. I can tell. I I will always root for Justin. Justin's the most exciting quarterback of my lifetime. Is it Uno? Is that the thing? You were jealous of Uno? Like, man, that's a great name for a dog. Hey, Ant, in your adult life, uh, when people are being their most honest, are they being defensive, too? Ooh, stop it. Really good question, Shane. Because he got defensive really, really quickly. It's what we've been dealing with since the QB1 party. (laughs) Did you hear? Speaking of the QB1 party, did you hear on the show when we were talking about the QB1 funeral? They're just talking about it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Danny euthanized Justin Fields and his dog. I did not. That's why we had to have the funeral. <laughs> that is so unfortunate. I did not. I said, yeah. in fact, when it was suggested that that was in really poor taste. Bears I, were looking and for I, volunteers. I, I when it was said, so you didn't say it. Yeah, why'd you even address it? I, you, yeah, don't give that guy a platform to say those things. <laughs> yeah, you you keep on here. Oh, just because I put the call up there, that means you need to take it? <laughs> you always get mad if we put calls up that we don't take. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> See, that's a situation where you're not wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Shane's so and famously see how selective not, with his anger. And, and, and see how I wasn't defensive there? See how I just admitted it? That was a, another excellent he point admitted. by Shane. Uh, no, I, I fully admit that I've moved on from Justin for the next hot, shiny new thing, the yeah. younger model. I fully, uh-huh. I fully admit to that. I know why the, the Fields uh, truthers and the Fields club has, has thrown me out when I mm-hmm. once was their fearless leader. <laughs> I, I get why they're disappointed. Uh-huh. I'm just saying I, with a clean conscience, like Justin. I've said, the, first, the thing I said the day after the offseason was that they get, they're going to fork in the road and both paths are good. Hmm. I think if you traded the number one pick and built around Justin, they'd be a double-digit win team who could make the playoffs next year. And if they go with Caleb and just support him with cap space and draft capital that you would get from trading Justin in the ninth pick, that's a playoff team next year. I just mm. think that the path with Caleb has a higher ceiling for longer, so that's the one that I would choose. But Where I would anyway. take issue with the, the sound that, that Tanny played from Boomer is that he he threw Patrick Mahomes into that list of, like, I'm I'm including Caleb with all these great prospects we've seen yeah. where, where none of us viewed Patrick Mahomes as that level of, you know, quote-unquote generational prospect when he came into the NFL draft either. If anyone knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be this – folks would have been climbing over the top of each other to try and draft him as high as possible because he may be the greatest quarterback of all time. No one knew this was what he was going to become. I agree. I think Boomer kind of in that answer conflated prospect and 
when he said he'll take you into the next decade and transform a franchise like Mahomes. Because he also mentioned Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen's the seventh pick in the draft, mm-hmm. who was bad for his first couple of years that nobody said yeah. was this cow. So I, I agree with you. Like, mm-hmm. Burrow was a hyped prospect who came on late. Came on very late, yeah. Yeah, Luck was the really, like, Luck and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, those right? are the ones who, since they were in high school, everyone said that's the next Hall of Fame quarterback that's yeah, going in. Yeah, th- those are, in terms of, if we're just talking pure prospects, what we knew at the time, Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck are the examples of the last 15 years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the playing style, I think, is why the Mahomes comps come in, more, right. more so than, than the caliber of prospects. But That's part of what concerns me with Caleb, because the the comparison with Mahomes, I, I agree with it. I think from college to pro is is the most the most fitting comp, while at the same time, Mahomes, to me, is is one of one in the way, the style of play that he excels at, where so much of his excellence is – beyond the the confines of the design of the play and him just being able to be this this amazing artist just kind of painting this tapestry each individual snap and Caleb does a lot of that in college you know uh, until someone else as a passer is able to consistently excel in that way at the pro level I'm going to be wait and see I think Caleb has the potential for that but it does worry me just with what I've what I've watched of his of his college tape up to this point there's a lot of that, and it works really well in college. Man, Sam Darnold had a lot of that on his college tape at USC also. And the USC to USC thing doesn't worry me, but guys who play outside the structure so consistently, it's hard to bring that to the league. And Mahomes is kind of the only guy who just came into the league, sat for a minute, and is now doing that, and it, it worries me. How much of the Caleb stuff that's outside of structure do you see as that is his preferred style of ball or – a product of necessity. The pocket is breaking down. Mm-hmm. His defense given up 40 a game, so he feels like he has to go for the jugular and go for deep shots, go for touchdowns, that sort of thing. Because a lot of the stuff that I've seen, mm-hmm. it's not like snap and then he's immediately running around. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a reason for the artistry as opposed to that is just his preferred style of play. And my impression is it's his preferred style of play. Really? Um, and I don't think it's the only thing he's capable of. I don't think it's the only thing he's done. You can certainly find a number of snaps of the two years at USC. Definitely. Where he is, in the pocket, cutting it loose. On time. But, yeah, the, the on-time aspect of it is inconsistent. But he's, he's in college. He's early in yep. his, his development. And that, if the Bears draft him, will be a part of what Shane Waldron will, will have to try and refine. You don't want to completely take it out of his game because it's so special. Yep. But – yeah, there's a lot of that there. Even like the, the his first season at USC, when there was a better offensive line and more talent around Jordan him, Madison, yeah. there was still a lot of that there, whether it was necessary or not, because he's capable of it. And and I do think that it's it's not always just something where he's kind of bailing out a bad offensive line every time. I, I think that's within him. And again, just like it was within Patrick Mahomes while he was at Texas Tech. And he's been able to find a way, you know, part of that is having Andy Reid and having exceptional talent in Kansas City and everything else where he's been able to make that work. But just like Steph Curry changed what we thought of as a good three-pointer in the NBA, and then eventually, like, Trey Young comes along and he's kind of, you know, a notch below what Steph is, but exceptional in some similar ways. But he's not Steph. Caleb Williams, you know, I think maybe there's a chance he can be that Trey Young to Steph Curry to what Patrick Mahomes is, but... Until further notice, man, Mahomes is the only guy that can pass the ball outside structure that frequently. No question. You know what uh, is funny about that comp, too? Like, the Chiefs traded up from 27 to 10 Hmm. to get Mahomes. 
So Mahomes, and then obviously everyone knows the very well-documented story of him sitting for a year behind right. Alex Smith, and it's right. debate. Like, it definitely helped him, and it definitely had an impact. I think that there is some debate on like if he would have played at week 10 of, mm. that, of that season, yeah. do they score a touchdown in that playoff right. game, for example? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, did he really need a full year of sitting yeah. or was just sometimes sitting? But he went to a good team. Exactly. And the Bears, they're not – as good as that Chiefs team was. No, 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 no. That Chiefs team won double digits three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Double digit games three years in a row. Yeah. But it's not what C.J. Stroud went to or what Bryce Young went to mm-hmm. or what Joe Burrow went to or what yeah. Trevor Lawrence went to or what Andrew Luck went to or what – you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it is better than just about, if not every, example of number one pick quarterback. Not every quarterback, right? Because, like you said, like we just said, Mahomes went to a better team. Obviously, quarterbacks yeah. get Lamar was the thirty second pick in the draft. Like, but for the top pick, mm-hmm. that level of prospect, this is the best team mm-hmm. that the number one pick quarterback has gone to in my lifetime, mm-hmm. for sure. Just, you know what I mean? So yeah. that, that that hopefully mm-hmm. sets up Caleb in this hypothetical yeah. to have a pretty high floor pretty early. Now, I have no idea about the coaching. And mm-hmm. I, here's what I know about the coaching. It's not as good as the coaching that Mahomes got. <laughs> right? right? It's not fair. the best uh-huh. offensive coach maybe since Bill Walsh. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it's, it's not that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Shane Waldron is good at his job. Yeah. I asked you to bring up this research project, but now we're just kind of risking yeah, it. We, we'll, we don't have as much time. We'll, we'll do I'll it later. But wow. yeah. Yeah, 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 today, today, tomorrow, the whole thing. But so it's interesting. You said you think they will draft Caleb and you're pretty sure they should. You're, yeah, you're not. Yeah. You're not, you're not because, there yet. I'm because should. I'm a traditionalist in this regard as well, where to me, maturity, like emotional maturity, mental stamina, all those things. When you have the requisite physical traits to be able to do the job at a high level, and you wouldn't be even in consideration for the number one pick in the draft if you didn't. But Caleb, no doubt, has everything you want physically. But then for any of these guys that we discuss at the top of the draft, especially if you're going to be a top 10 pick, that's going to be someone who will likely come in and play immediately in almost any scenario when they're drafted that high. You got to be mentally sharp. You have to have mental stamina. You have to have emotional maturity. Those are the things where when Ryan Poles is referencing in that press conference that he's got to evaluate the person at a high level as well and then you know we heard Courtney Cronin and and some others kind of following up we're like who did you have in mind when you're talking about that I I have a hard time believing the face of Caleb Williams doesn't immediately you know flash across his brain when he's referencing I got to evaluate the person too because the physical the raw horsepower that Caleb Williams brings to a football field with his arm and his legs and just the the purity of the way he throws the football it's out of this world but is he a grown-up we've seen him handle L.A. Everything I've heard, and I can get into greater detail about it later in the show, I, I do think a lot of the rumor-mongering stuff that's out there is unfortunate because you, you've never heard Caleb come out and say a lot of this stuff that's out there. And that, to me, is unfortunate in the perception that he's going to join an NFL team with. That's I've talked about that, too. He's been uh, – I think there's a few things that happened. Um, I don't think that the the SID, the sports information director at USC – did him a lot of favors, mm-hmm. and I think it's a newer person. Um, it is, yeah. Y- right? Well, it's he, someone who's been there for a while but was kind of the number two, number three right. for a long time. Then the head of that department retired. And, and, and for anyone who doesn't know, that's basically like the person who's in charge of media for the athletic team. 
you can't let the guy who's the prospective number one overall pick skip a postgame media session. Like that'll that'll stick to you. Like that's, sure. That's, that's, While that's, at the same time, she can only do so much about it, as we've seen with Zach Levine I, and the Bulls. I, you know, I, I understand, but right. I'm just, but I'm just, in terms of the advisement yeah. part uh, part of it, right? Um, his, I put that on Lincoln Riley at the college level even more than fair I do enough. Yes, I do. Sure, sure, yeah. but they like protect him a little bit. Hey, dude, that this this is not. I know you're frustrated. Mm-hmm. This will stick to you way longer than these ten minutes. Don't do that. I'm guessing that conversation was had. I hope and so. Caleb didn't feel like going to the podium. Fair enough. Um, his dad is the one who said to GQ the thing about I could go back to the draft. He never said it. Mm-hmm. The list of five teams that he would go to completely made up the wanting an ownership the stake equity in thing the team. completely made up yeah the will he sit out the rest of the season after the notre dame game that's just talking heads talking about that it's nothing he ever said never so that's the part that's unfortunate yeah. where it's going to now be tagged with him as he enters the nfl with this negative perception of who he is as a person and a competitor it's the same guy who played in the pac-12 championship game with a torn hamstring a couple of years ago just because he loves playing football everyone i've talked to like i I haven't been with the Pac-12 Network for a few years, so I haven't called any of Caleb's games. I haven't been around him. I know a lot of people who have, a lot of folks who've called his games, who've been around him since he was in high school. Just had Yogi Roth on the air the, the last night, coached him in the Elite 11 with Trent Dilfer and everybody else. People love him, love him as a competitor, love his talent, love his acumen and all these other things. But, you know, in the modern world of college football and big-time athletics, yeah, there are a few things that come with him. A lot of the extra stuff, though, are things being tagged with him that he hasn't done. So let's talk a few minutes about the new White Sox play-by-play voice before we have him on in 10 minutes. This is just a – it's a very cool story. It's someone getting their dream job. It's the second black TV play-by-play voice in baseball. It is – Which is why you have me here. I'm joking. I was here. I was already on the schedule for a while ago. I was already on the schedule for for at least the last two hours. I've been on the schedule for, for well before this moment. This I could resist. This I is, could resist. What kind of show? <laughs> what kind of decorum do we allow? No, yeah, that was totally fair. That was that was fair game. Uh, but I mean, interesting background. Good morning, America. All of those things. No real MLB experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, other guys who took their name out of contention, following the legend of Benetti, not having other national commitments in season because that was such a sticking point with Benetti and and the White Sox an upset fan base about not this necessarily upset about Benetti leaving but just about and the product on the field the product on the field ownership Mm -hmm. all of it it's just it's a the court of public opinion I'll say it this way it's tough to be associated with the White Sox and be popular there just aren't that many. It's a good way to say it. You know what I mean? Like there just aren't that many. Steve people. Stone is grandfathered into popularity. He's yes. been there so long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just like kind of hard. Right. Like Eloy came out and was like, "I want to hit forty home runs," and everyone was like, "How about don't miss forty games?" <laughs> you know what I mean? It, like, it's, uh, it's hard. Right. It, it, it like Lu- Luis Robert, pretty damn popular. Mm-hmm. Steve Stone, pretty damn popular. Remember when Tim Anderson was popular? That was fun for a minute. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like even right. like Dylan Cease, it's like, yeah, but I mean, you're about to be traded, so yeah. it's kind of. When are we getting rid of this guy so we can get prospects? Yeah, like right. it's just it's hard to be associated with the White Sox in this run that they're on right now and be popular, and then you're gonna be there every day, calling a bad team, following a legend, and you're gonna be learning because yeah. you haven't done. You don't have your 10,000 hours of flight miles of calling Major League Baseball. It's just a, it's a tough spot. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's where all it I'm is saying. right now. Now, you know, a couple of years ago when they were young and exciting, and you got folks, hey, let's leave the Cubs and, and go do White Sox radio because I'd I'd rather do that because they're on the you know burgeoning something. They're on the on the forefront of greatness. When the product on the field is exciting, then everybody surrounding it can be popular. Yep. The product on the field tanked really quickly and and went from excitement to to angst seemingly overnight. And so now, yes, it's a brand that's difficult to be directly associated with. And if the product on the field is what we anticipate it'll be this season, then, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a, a negative tinge to it for a lot of folks because the team is losing. In the end, the product on the field is what carries a lot of that perception. Yep, and uh, we'll root for him, you know what I mean? But you know, I'm, I'm very interested in talking to him about like, his perspective on all that, how yeah. much he reads the the feedback, and you know what I mean? All uh-huh. of that stuff because it's a – it's a. It's not the biggest fan base, but it is a passionate fan base. Wow! It's a. It's a. It's a. Yeah. yeah. It's like the Allen Iverson of fan bases. <laughs> like, 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 like pound for pound, uh-huh. White Sox right. fans like they they make it known. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, they they do funny things at the ballpark. Yeah. They, they like yell at players. Pernell Sweet Pea Whitaker of of the fan base. Maybe you, something like that. There you go. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just like a kind of a funny. Mm-hmm. It, he's walking into a an interesting situation. Yeah, no we'll, doubt. We'll see. So. Uh, uh, but then you get one of these gigs, man. Like, are you? Does, are you're still a Cubs fan, right, Shane? Still a Cubs fan? Uh, we'll just, see. We'll just, see. We, we're, yeah. I, I, it's, we're in a free agent period right now. Oh, okay. really? Free agent period? Yeah, yeah. Free oh, agent period. Okay. Are but, you doing like the Lawrence style room? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. No, I'm not in. No, right. no. I, I, I'm, I'm either a White Sox fan or I will be a Cubs fan. Go to Cubs okay. games. <laughs> right. I never say I'm a Cubs fan. Okay. They're not gonna like travel abroad. Not seriously. Else is out there. No, right. that's fair. I was just curious. Tanny has never renounced the Sox on air. Eh, on air, not a full-on renouncement. I will be back. I'm not one of these people that said I'm done. done. Okay. I mean, wake me up opening day. You just need the, a break in the West Loop when, uh, when, when we when when we yeah. lift the lid on the new stadium in the <laughs> West Loop. Let me know and I'll be there. If the White Sox put a stadium next to Rosemary, then <laughs> then you'll be there all I'm the back, time, baby. Right. Hell yeah, I'm go. back. What Hell do you yeah. say? Like they have Rosemary concessions there? It's so close. Like, yeah. what do you say? Probably. I mean, Joe could put a stadium in Rosemary at the success success that he has right That's now. Sure, get your zucchini fritters here. <laughs> He's on Tuna a run. Crudo, Tuna crudo. That would be an amazing thing. He would love it. Peachy gnocchi, section 136. <laughs> Squid ink risotto. Uh, okay, well. Oh, look, it's the phony Negroni guy. Give me a phony Negroni. <laughs> John Schriffen. The, the release said uh, on the Sox Twitter, bringing energy and passion to the booth. We will talk to him about both next on The Score. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Spend some time with our friends Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. Yes. Afternoons on the score. We are thrilled to say that we are just days away from the return of our friend Robin Roberts to the GMA anchor desk. We are so thrilled about that. But last night, ABC's John Trippin subbed for her in a different form entirely. The annual NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. Making the move from breaking news to breaking ankles, ABC News correspondent number 21, John Trippin. I suited up for the West team, playing with celebrities like Kevin Hart, Common and Secretary of Education Arnie Duncan. Could you have done better? Yes. Of course. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about the attempt. Nice feed inside. Got good game. Once again, as a leader, I applaud you for attempting to do good. For Good Morning America, John Schriffen, ABC News. Houston. So White Sox fans should know that I bring energy, passion. When the big moment happens, I am going to rise to the occasion. And again, crossing route. He's got his running back. Smith gets by three defenders. How did he do it? Sutton Smith. No way. Touchdown Memphis. And you are going to feel the energy from the booth wherever you're watching the game because that's what I love. Perez pressured. Gets rid of it. They've got it. Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons on the score. With Anthony Heron in for Spiegs, it is our pleasure to welcome to the score the new voice of the Chicago White Sox. He's on the hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois, John Schriffen. John, congratulations and welcome to Chicago. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to get to Chicago. Absolutely, man. Congratulations. Can you uh, take us to the moment you found out you got the job? Uh, it's been fast. Uh, so Sunday, uh, I was in Phoenix, Scottsdale, met with Steve Stone, met with him for dinner, had like a, maybe like a three hour dinner with him, um, meeting with the owner and just like, it's been literally everything's happened so quickly. Jerry has been awesome. I met with Jerry for like an hour on Sunday in person, got to know him really well and just his expectations for the role. And I went out there knowing that it was still, the job was up for air. I didn't know who was going to get it at that point. And then uh, literally just, I mean, what day is it even today? I mean, they told me, what, Tuesday that I had the job, and I was super pumped, and then everything just happened so quick from there. So at, at this point, now that you, you know it's official, it's out there, 
what is the feeling now? Is it relief? Is it angst? Is it anxiety? Just trying to figure out what the next steps involve. Like, just where are you at kind of mentally with this whole process? So it still hasn't even really hit me. Like, I'm going to be the next voice of the Chicago White Sox in one of the best cities in the world. Like, it, it, it hasn't really hit home. And my phone's been blowing up all day. I have so many text messages that I still haven't been able to check. And people reaching out. Like, I literally just got off the phone with Brian Anderson, who's the play-by-play for the, you know, the Brewers and TNT, and spoke to him for at least a half an hour and just welcoming to the, fr- the fraternity that is, you know, one of 30 jobs in, in America. So it's, it's been a day. It's been awesome. Yeah. I cannot even imagine. Uh, is this, has this been an end goal play by play broadcaster of an MLB team? Cause it's a, it's an unusual background. I mean, we don't normally introduce play by play broadcasters with clips from good morning America. What's been your North <laughs> star in your broadcasting career? So even as a kid, like my dream was always to get to the majors and I, and I thought it was going to be as a pitcher. And now I find all these years later, I'm getting to the majors as a broadcaster. And and it's wild, my path and my arc and how it's happened. But I've always wanted to be here. Like, I've always wanted to be in a major league ballpark, calling games. And when my playing career ended in college early on, like my freshman year and I got hurt, I was was for real, like in a really dark spot. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do because I had always associated myself as a baseball player. But I had a friend at the radio station in school as at Dartmouth College, and he said, look, you know the team. I know you can't play anymore. You're hurt. But just come in the booth like an inning and just, you know, see how you like it. If you don't, who cares? You can leave. It's no big deal. Uh, so I got in the booth, and it was like I knew at that moment it was the closest I was ever going to get to the playing field again. And it was like I was in my happy place. And from that moment on in college, my goal was always to be in that zone, that happy place, and – and get to the majors and to have it happen with the Chicago White Sox is, I mean, it is a dream come true. So, you know, part of it as everyone around the city of Chicago, is just sort of delving into your background at this point and knowing that you've called a variety of sports now and you've done news and everything else to, to Danny's point that I'm curious for, for this next stage of the journey, how much more you played the sport of baseball and you've been broadcasting for a while, but baseball is one of many sports that you've been in the midst of calling now. So do you feel like with the volume of baseball, you'll begin calling on a full-time basis at the major league level, then how much growth is there still that you feel like you're going to have to have here just in being the voice and face of the White Sox on a regular basis? Well, I feel like with any position, you're always still growing, right? And I think that's understanding. And for me, the biggest growth that I want to have is to get to know Chicago, get to know Chicago's fans, and then get to know the team. And, and like, that's my biggest priority at this point. So I can't wait to get the spring training because there's so many new faces on this team. And I, I actually got a call from, from Pedro Grafalda earlier today too, and had a great conversation with Pedro. He's awesome. Like he can't wait. Cause he understands the excitement he's felt from these guys and just kind of the culture that's already forming. And he got me amped up and I'm like, I'm usually the guy who amps up everybody else. So for Pedro to amp me up, I'm like, let's go. So, I mean, spring training for me is about getting to know the guys. And I think, yes, my broadcasting ability is going to obviously improve with the baseball, the volume of the games. Um, But I think the biggest growth that I'm looking forward to is just kind of my knowledge of the team, the city, the fans, and just waiting to dig in. John Schriffen, the new voice of the White Sox, is our guest. How many games are you going to do? Most of them. I mean, pretty much all of them. I mean, so there's going to be national broadcasts that will come in that will take away the local. And then I get a few days off here or there just because it's a long season. But 
I, I've committed. Uh, I've committed to this team, to the city, and I am here. I'm going to be the guy in Chicago for the White Sox. I'm going to call the majority of the games. Yeah, because I, I saw your quote with Jerry. Like that, that was the thing you and Jerry talking about, you, Jerry, and Steve talking about for continuity. I'm just kind of curious, like, what those conversations and what the expectations were, you know, kind of from them to you. So early on in this process, it was made very clear from the organization that whoever gets this position will be the person who commits to being the person, right? And when I had a conversation with Jerry in person, Jerry was like, you know, what, what stands out about Jerry is his passion for the game. And to work for an owner who loves baseball as much as he does, who watches all the broadcast and will even give feedback about a broadcast, like that's who I want to work for. And so for him to ask me to call the majority of the games, like that's a huge honor. So for me, I don't see it as like a big task or a, or a job. For me, it's like, wow, the fact that I get to call most of these games and they laid out that expectation, I said, yeah, sign me up. Like I want to meet that. And in the, the potential for meeting that then, you, you obviously know, and you've been quoted about it a bit already, where you, your plan is to be yourself, but you have to be aware, of course, that you're stepping into what feel like enormous shoes with the popularity of Jason Benetti here over recent years and the role that you're stepping into. So you mentioned wanting to get to know Chicago. How aware are you of that, just the popularity of the seat that you're going to be filling? 100%. But I, I think it's also when you look back even further, the seat that I'm filling has been legendary broadcasters for a long time. I mean, you go back to Harry Carey. I mean, Hawk Harrelson. I mean, there's so many legendary broadcasters who have been in this seat. And I think when I first found out about the job, that's one of the things that appealed to me the most is just the, the expectation that whoever is calling White Sox games is one of the best broadcasters in the entire country. The team puts the resources in, and NBC Sports Chicago puts the resources in. They have incredible people behind the scenes, and they treat this like it's a national broadcast. So for me, that's the most exciting part. I understand the fans love Jason Benetti. Of course, he's a great broadcaster, but I know I'm not going to be Jason, nor am I going to try to be anybody else. I can only be me. Have you talked with Jason? I don't know him personally, so I have not, no. So what would you say to White Sox fans is like, you know, not to compare and contrast you with him, but John Schriffen, what is your broadcasting style? What should they expect when they tune in to watch you do a White Sox game? So I love that you guys set up this segment with those clips because that's, I mean, first off, like I'm going to bring the heat. Like I'm bringing the energy. Like as soon as there's a crazy play or anything, you are going to hear it. You're going to feel it. I'm, I'm a passionate person. I also, you talked about kind of my background and, and very untraditional path to where I am now. I, I don't run from my path. Like my path is who I am. So I was a news reporter anchor. I was a sideline reporter on the Army football package for CBS. I use those reporting skills into my broadcast style in the sense of I'm there early at the ballpark. I'm at the batting cage. I'm in the clubhouse. I'm talking to guys. I want to get as much information so that the fans at home can have a perspective on what's going on, the full arc of the season, to get a real perspective on what is really happening with this team. So I'm bringing the energy. I bring preparation. Also, to be able to work with Steve Stone was a huge selling point for me because this guy has worked with the best in the business. He is, I think, one of the best analysts in the business as a legend. And getting to know him this past Sunday over dinner, like we just hit it off. And, and I think it's going to be – pretty smooth transition to working with him on a daily basis because he has so much knowledge that I'm like, Steve, look, I just want to be your point guard. I'm just going to throw it up at the rim. I'm going to give you the easiest alley you can ever have because the knowledge you have, I want you to start dropping nuggets 
and be able to give fans something to take away from every game. What I'm what I'm curious about in that regard is like my sport. I, I played and coached football for a number of years, and as a broadcaster, you don't normally see the the ex football player be the one who's the play by play. We tend to more often be the analyst in baseball. You see a number of examples of folks who can do both roles at a high level. So the fact that you played college baseball and it's a sport you grew up passionate about, I'm wondering how much of that is woven into the way, your style of play-by-play with just some of the minutia of the sport. Okay, let's be real here. I was a college player at an Ivy League school who didn't really make it out of the first month because I got hurt. (laughs) I was a pitcher. I threw my arm out and basically – didn't really even get a chance to get going. So I don't want to make any exaggerations about, like, I was this incredible player. Stoney's the guy. Stoney's the guy who was the best, one of the best pitchers of all time. Like, he's the guy who knows the game better than anybody. I don't want to make it seem like I'm a know-it-all. I just want to tee him up and be like, Stoney, what do you think? John, what is your uh, opinion of the role of, like, criticism or honest commentary, you know, when – a team's down seven, nothing hits a solo home run screaming out of your shoes or the acknowledgement of, yeah, okay, that's a home run. This team's not expected to be that good. Well, I think there should be expectations for the white Sox, And I think even after talking to Pedro, there are expectations for this team. Like there is the potential that this team could come together. And there, I mean, I don't want there to, I don't want to go into a season and be like, Oh, this team sucks. No, I don't. That's not my expectation at all. But I think you have to be tempered in kind of your calls and just kind of the tone and where we are in the game, right? Like if it's a blowout, you're not going crazy because fans won't respect that. Chicago fans are smart, right? Like you can't fool Chicago sports fans. So for me to just go crazy on a home run, a meaningless home run, the way the game is a blowout, that doesn't even make sense. The way I always like to think of it is most people, when you watch a game, you have the game on, but it's probably an on in the background where you're doing something, you're taking care of the kids, you're in the refrigerator, you're doing whatever it is. So if I make a big call and I get your attention and you're coming back to the TV, it better be something important because if you stopped what you were doing to come back to the TV and it's a big nothing burger, then I've lost all credibility and be like, ah, oh, whatever, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So I, have to, I have, always have that expectation in my head of I've got to respect the viewer's because they know what's going on. Now, I don't know what, what all you're at liberty to share at the moment then, but you've, you've done a bunch with ESPN in recent years. You mentioned you're planning to call the majority of the White Sox games. Will you continue to work in other capacities and further bosses around the industry? So I, I'm still at ESPN, so I actually have college basketball games coming up, so I'll be doing college basketball along with spring training. Um, so I'll be still balancing that schedule, but once the season starts, I mean, I am committed and I'm all in for the White Sox. So that's something that we talked about early and got passed early. And yes, I do have a national presence with ESPN, but going forward, I want to be known as a Chicago guy. Like that's, that's what I want. All right. So uh, let's learn a little bit more about John Schriffen, the person you says you're a foodie. What's uh, what are your, what are your go-tos? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So Chicago is awesome, but it's so dangerous, right? Like every time I go to Chicago, I want to get some kind of deep dish or anything that is just like the tastiest, fattiest, whatever it may be. So obviously it's, it's uh, pizza. I love Asian. Um, so I live in Las Vegas currently, and there's a huge Chinatown with every Asian ethnicity. I mean, Korean, Japanese, Vietnamese, whatever you can think of. So I love just kind of like finding random spots and figuring out uh, who's got the best pho or who's got the best ramen. Um, I, literally I will eat anything as long as it's not spicy. That's my only rule. My only caveat. 
So if anybody has recommendations, give me whatever you got minus spicy. <laughs> Shane, you want to give him a recommendation? All right, John. So here's the thing. There's only one place we go to on this radio show. It's called Rosemary. It's in the West Loop. The executive chef won Top Chef Season 15 on Bravo. He's a good friend, Joe Flams. The number one restaurant in Chicago right now is Rosemary. Diehard White Sox fan. Diehard White Sox fan. Plenty of non-spicy options, but we're probably also going to have to fix that for you. Might have to introduce you to a little bit of spice. It's uh, it's Croatian-Italian fusion. So we'll give you some recs. We'll get you a reservation when you get in town. We'll give you some recs. Ooh, I love that. Okay. Absolutely. Anybody else? What else we got? Now, and John mentioned that folks can send him suggestions. Anybody who's not following John yet on social, he is at John Schriffen. Schriffen is S-C-H-R-I-F-F-E-N. So make sure you get those social media followers up. Everybody just send, just inundate John Schriffen with all the suggestions you would have (laughs) for Chicago food. When do you arrive in the city on a more regular basis? Do you know yet? So I'm still trying to figure out my travel schedule because first I'm going to spring training. So I want to go be in Glendale for as long as possible and get to know everybody. Um, but I do need a place in Chicago. So anybody has a great real estate agent, I'm, I'm open to that as well. Ooh, I might be selling a condo downtown soon, John. I'll keep that I, I, I need a real estate agent in Chicago. <laughs> Sarah Leonard. The Sarah Leonard team will take care of you. Hawkbird will do the mortgage. I've got an extra bedroom in Logan Square. You don't want that. You don't want to live with our – you don't want to live with shame. Although he would cook well for you. It's yeah. Po- it's possible. He's a great chef. Yeah. That, that would work. All right. Well, we'll get you. So we need a real estate agent. We need a mortgage guy. We need non-spicy food. Uh, How about Boulevard, also, uh, Good dog-friendly spots. Yeah, you're a dog-obsessed guy, right? Let's, what's your... I am obsessed with dogs, yeah. So my dog is nine years old, Charlie, boxer mix. He's a rescue. I've had him my entire 30s. Goes, like, pretty much everywhere with me. Uh, so, yeah. like So, like, bring your dog to the ballpark night. I was told with like two nights out of the season, Charlie will be with me in the booth. So, dog that's, in the booth, I think is okay. No food though. Don't eat on the air. All right. A little pro tip for Chicago. Uh, John, are you funny? I'm not a comedian, oh, okay. so I, I know right. my I know my lane. I know what I am. I know what I'm not, and I'm not that funny guy. So I'm not trying to. All right, give us your best. I would get booed, I would get booed off of the stand-up stage. <laughs> uh, give us your best. I like, already know. Give us your best ABC News, like Diane Sawyer story. Ooh, Diane. Okay, so Diane Sawyer was probably one of the best mentors I've had because Diane Sawyer challenges everyone who works with her to think differently. So I remember there was one. There was one story, and I was assigned to a story for World News. And what she does is she has a meeting, you know, in the early morning. And we go through kind of all the story ideas and just talk through how we're going to get, you know, navigate the story and get it on for the show for the evening. And my story was one of those, you know, one of those stories you've seen all the time about gas prices. So it was about the rising gas prices and just kind of like what people think, what are the cause effects, that kind of thing. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I've done this before. I'll go to, you know, go to a local gas pump, talk to some people. What does it mean? Like how much is this really hurting their pocket? And Diane sort of was like, okay. But we've seen that how many times before? Like, what can you do differently? Like, what can you teach us differently? How is there another way you can approach this? How do you think about it? Because we've seen that before. So what's new? So every time I approach anything, I always have that in the back of my mind. Like, because there's so many times we've seen a story or even in sports, we've seen a play or we've seen something played out where it's like, okay, we've seen that before. But what's the different angle to it? And, and what else can I show the viewer or somebody at home just to learn something different that they maybe didn't know before. So that's kind of how I approach things. John Schriffen, good luck with the new gig. 
It will be fun to watch, and uh, hopefully we see you in person, either in Chicago or Arizona soon, man. Thank you, and again, congratulations. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. That is John Schriffen, the new play-by-play voice of the Chicago White Sox. We could react to that conversation. Then Dave Wanstead and Brady Quinn together at 4 o'clock. Parkinson Spiegel with Big Ant on the score. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Parkinson Spiegel Show. Fans, they don't like them. Afternoons on the score. Uh, what'd you guys think? I thought he came across like a really nice kid. Uh, I guess he's not a kid. He's older than me. I was going to say, what kid? He sounds. He's 39. Hey, whatever. He's a young guy. Uh, we're young. <laughs> if you're in your 30s, you're young. Damn it. Don't take this away from me. Uh, good voice. Too good voice. Yep, impressive voice, uh, impressive attitude about things. He's eager, and you know he said he's not a comedian, which is fine, and he's going to bring the energy. I think, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the energy on football is different than the energy on baseball. I don't think it's going to be like ball two. You know, I, I'm, he'll have to pick his spots. <laughs> oh boy, I, would I wish he does though. <laughs> that would be great. He's going to lose his voice. There are going to be a lot of those. Right. I would watch every game if that was the case. <laughs> to see Steve Stone's head explode. So I'm imagining that he will pick his spots and he will choose when there's something legit going on. He's going to bring it. You know, at 39, sure, you can make a mistake of calling him a kid, but it also does mean there's a lot of growth that still is is possible for him. But I, I guess he's a watch. kid in terms of baseball broadcasting. That's, you know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. MLB broadcasting and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But, yes, he's, he's older than I am, but whatever. <laughs> That's funny. A good kid. Ball, <laughs> ball too. <laughs> that, is, that is a funny concept. 
If that happens, how quickly does Stoney retire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. How, how quickly does Stoney go check on Todd Frazier, as they say? He must have loved Stoney saying, I just want to be a point guard. I just want to set you up, just throw the ball by the rim, let you dunk it. I want them to sing together, though, with that voice. I mean, you know, Benetti and Stoney singing together became a thing. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. Jingle, yeah. How about Shriffin and Stone singing together? Who knows, man? That's something to look forward to. It's possible. It's They'll, they'll develop their own shtick, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll talk to him again uh, in the future. But he's walking into a hell of a spot, and we welcome him uh, to the score. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. They'll have bigger problems. <laughs> yes, that's the thing that I keep trying to remind you. There's going to be a lot of other stuff to worry about yeah, yeah, than John Strickland. That, that's true. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, he's just the face and voice of those other things. Right, yeah. Dave Wanstead and Brady Quinn are going to hang out at the beginning of this. Brady Quinn boat race. Dave Wanstead is a ranked I gotta coach. I got to look up those numbers. With, uh, with Tyler Palco. Brady put up some stats so back we'll, in the day. We'll let Brady Quinn spike the ball one more time, this time on the radio next on The Score. You want to pop in here for a couple minutes? I can say hello to you. Mr. Wanstead. Dave Wanstead. Shane, wake up. NFL head coach for 11 years. The Bears came in here and Dave Wanstead. There's a happy group of overachievers that have been well coached. College football national champion. A number of legends here tonight. Dave Wanstead. Super Bowl champion. Dave Wanstead, one of my, you know, really idols. Football analyst for NBC Sports Chicago. Alumnus David Wanstead returning to his alma mater as the 34th head football coach of the Panthers. He comes back from professional football. And this is the opening night for him on his return. And here comes the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Brady Quinn, he's one of the Notre Dame all-time legends. Brady Quinn, team captain, junior, 6'4", 231-pounder, and he comes out of Dublin, Ohio. No, I'm Brady Quinn, he's Dublin, yeah. Ohio, boy. Yeah, let's go. Hell yeah. Brady Quinn looking to strike, goes to the end zone. away and Notre Dame defeats Pittsburgh by a score of 42-21. So it all falls on the shoulders of Brady Quinn. He does get one more chance trying to pull it out for the Irish. I went to Quinn before the strike. said you got one in you kid? And he goes I always got one in me. Quinn pumps once. our favorite time of the week with Dave Wanstead. Coach, hello. Well, I, I'm going to say hello. What was all that crap at the end with Notre Dame and Brady Quinn? And who, who put that together? Tanny did because joining us now on the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois to spike the ball on you one more time is Brady Quinn. Hello, Brady. Well, gentlemen, thanks for having me. Coach, Wadi, it's been a long time. How you doing? I'm doing great. I just uh, this is my show here, and for them to play the Notre my opening game when you kicked my ass is very disappointing to my crew of producers there, Brady. Nothing, uh, nothing personal with you, but uh, you know I love you. But yes, they kind of caught me off guard there. You know, I thought they would uh, thought they'd play the game when we uh, beat Notre Dame in South Bend or something. You know. 
I don't yeah, know. Unfortunately, I, that was after that was after I left there, Coach. So unfortunately, yeah, it, we it couldn't was. do it that way. But hey, it uh, it, it's good to be talking to you. And I hung out with some of your uh, fellow Pitt alums last night, uh, Mr. Marino, Mr. Jumbo uh, Covert. So I, I told them I'd be speaking with you today, and they said you make sure you tell Wani we said hello. Yeah, where were you at? What was going on? We had a charity event for the Gridiron Greats, obviously a great foundation helping out uh, former NFL players in need. So uh, we were at a, a nice golf club. Uh, obviously, that, that's how you get Mr. Marino out uh, to, yep. to participate. And uh, it was a good old time. That's great. Brady, yeah, you continue to do a great job uh, with everything at Fox, you know, the college stuff. And I actually, I, and I've been saying this, even when I was still working there, I told everybody, I thought you did as one of as good a job as anybody we had doing games. You kept putting you, they kept putting you in the studio, but you just have a real knack for seeing things and being able to communicate it to fans. I mean, you, you really do a heck of a job in the studio, but people don't realize I think you're even as good or better doing games. Really. I'm not giving you a you know a bunch of uh BS here, you know, because I've said that to you. No, I know, and I, I appreciate you saying that. And you know, it, it's it's one some sometimes someday maybe we'll get back to be able to do that. But you know, as for now, um, you know, we're, we're just trying to enjoy our time doing the the big noon kickoff show and the pregame show and all that. It's been a lot of fun. But um, you know, taking me back to the Notre Dame days, Notre Dame uh, days brings back a lot of memories, in particular for uh, a guy like Shane Waldron who was on that staff. And so it's just a small world now that that Shane Waldron finds his way to Chicago Bears now as a new play caller. Man, what, what was he doing? I didn't know he was on. Who's who? Uh, he was with Charlie, huh? He was, yeah. And I don't know if this story is true or not. You guys can try to ask him when you see him. But supposedly, he initially came uh, with with Charlie as Coach Bill Belichick was kind of helping Charlie transition after they won the third Super Bowl together. And uh, at some point, apparently, Charlie asked Billy, "said Hey, I, I like this Shane Waldron guy. Uh, do you mind if I just keep him?" And I think Bill went ahead and said, yeah, why don't you just go ahead and hire him? You, you keep him with you guys. So I, I don't even know if Shane had, had heard or not, but he had already been hired and went through the formal interview process with Charlie Weiss uh, before he even realized it. And his, um, his, his coaching debut with, uh, with the fight in Iris had already started. Huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, have, I don't know him really or much about I mean, I know about him, but uh, I'll, I'll look forward to meeting him. You know, I do a lot of bear stuff there, and I'll be – Eberflus and I got a real good relationship, so I'll get up there uh, for all their OTAs and training camp and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to them, looking forward to seeing what they do at quarterback number one. Hey, what do you – have you seen – Have you? I mean, obviously, the game against Notre Dame, they got after Caleb Williams, you know, so that's probably not a fair question, but that was one of his worst games. If you took the Notre Dame game out – You've tracked him for a couple of years. What do you think of this kid out there? I mean, I still think he's the most talented in this draft class. Um, this year was a little bit troubling in the sense of, you know, it wasn't to me just a Notre Dame game. You know, the Utah game, they had a great game plan for him the past couple of seasons. Uh, Oregon and even the Washington game, which was one of the tougher games. He actually played a little better in that one. But against the toughest defenses, he, he struggled this year, in particular when he got pressured. Right, a byproduct of some of the change in personnel or his struggles as a quarterback, to, you know, as he develops, as he plays more. Uh, but when you look at his skill set, I mean, he's got a, a extremely strong arm. He's incredibly elusive. I mean, the guy, when he gets running, runs like a running back. 
And I think more so than anything else is he's the type of guy that elevates the level of play of everyone else out around him. The truth of the matter is Southern Cal's defense was God awful the past couple of seasons. And that's probably a barely bowl eligible team without him at quarterback. That's why I'm so fascinated to see what Lincoln Riley does uh, this season without him, because I think he really did fix a lot of the issues that Southern Cal had either defensively or, or just even offensively uh, with an offensive line that struggled mightily too to protect them. So Brady, would you build around Justin or draft Caleb if you were Ryan Pulse? I mean, I, I'll put it this way. I'd, I'd build around Justin Fields, and it's not a knock or anything to, to Caleb Williams. I, I just think when you see what the Bears have done when they moved back in last year's draft and they, they supplied Justin with more weapons around him, you see what he's capable of. And I think Ryan Poles has done an incredible job of finding guys, too, to come in right away, uh, make an impact, and also in subsequent rounds. So when I trade back, get a bounty, you know, bounty of picks and keep building this roster around the quarterback position uh, and allow Justin Fields to go play out and keep you know, proving to you that he's going to be your franchise guy. Um, you know, you could bring in Caleb Williams, but you know, then you're starting back all over again uh, with making sure you, 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 if you see this young guy can prove himself. Yeah, I think Justin Fields has done an incredible job of fighting through a lot of adversity there in Chicago and showing you flashes of what he's capable of when you give him the right tools and pieces around him. Now, with that in mind, Brady, because you played the position big time in college and at the professional level, that's part of the juxtaposition that Chicago's going through right now because Justin has shown promise but that's part of where Ryan Poles has to figure out, can he be a Super Bowl caliber QB? Where do you fall in on that? Because quarterback, to me, is kind of the most dependent position in sports while also being the most difficult to play at a high level. Without a doubt, and that's why I think situation and circumstances is, you know, obviously paramount to anything for a quarterback, really any player, but it probably gets highlighted the most or revealed the most with a quarterback. And I think the situation now, whether it's Caleb Williams walking into this, this Bears roster or if it was Justin Fields as they continue to build, you know, it's much better suited than when Justin Fields first got there. And so I, I think, the look, when you start to bring in the business aspect of things and, you know, when you got Justin Fields who's already been in the league now and you have to start thinking about, you know, that, that next big contract, yeah, you can make a case to take Caleb Williams, try to trade away Justin Fields, see what you can get in exchange for him. Uh, but I just think you already have a player who kind of gets the, the, the dynamics of the team. And I think his best football is still ahead of him. Uh, and with Shane Waldron in there kind of building the offense around him to call plays, I think also plays you know, to his strength and skill set. So, um, you know, again, I, I kind of look at what Ryan Poles has done since he's gotten there, and I think he's, he's done a, a tremendous job getting more and more picks. Uh, if you're taking Caleb Williams there, that's great, but he still needs some, you know, some help too, and there's still going to be some growing pains as he segues into the NFL. You know, one of the things that, you know, there's not really anything to knock in his game. Honestly, he's, he's a complete player as a you know, quarterback prospect. But one thing that you want to see him do is play more from the pocket with timing, rhythm, uh, where, you know, in, in Southern Cal, you didn't see that quite as much in part because the protection was so bad. And the other thing is, you know, with, with you know, the type of offense that Lincoln Riley runs, it's not, you know, quite the same transition as what you're going to see at the NFL level. Brady, thank you so much for the time. We know you got to run. We'd love to do it again when you have a little bit more time. But uh, it was fun to hear you spike the ball on Dave Wanstead's Pitt Panthers one more time. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys really put a lot into that. I've got to go coach my, uh, my, my girls' soccer game right now, so I appreciate you guys giving me some time. All right, Thanks, we'll Brady. talk to you, man. That's Brady Quinn. Hey, Brady. Hey, Dave, good interview. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he had a little, little jocularity at the front end, got to the important stuff with Caleb uh, on the back I, end. I'm a little di- – I'm a little – we're Spigs, first of all. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Spigs is not here.
Face is not there answering. I got it. Um, you know what? I'm sitting here with Whitey in Naples, Florida. Of course. And uh, Whitey's done for for a little spell here, yeah. and it kind of caught us because Whitey, you know, we kind he kind of feels like about Notre Dame like I do. And uh, Brady, no, Brady is a. I'm. I mean, I love Brady. You know, we're 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 good friends and all that stuff. Work together, but uh, the Notre Dame stuff. Shane or Tanny did not give me a heads up, so it caught me off guard. I'll be honest with you. Well, you knew that Brady Quinn was coming on, though. Did Shane tell me that? I don't know. I mean, I, I called you to see if you guys knew each other, but I don't think I ever told you for sure. We want it to be a little bit of a surprise. Oh, wow. Okay. Did you, did you at, really say that I know him? Now, think about that, Shane. <laughs> Who don't I know? <laughs> it's true. It's a valid question. It's true. Yeah. You doing a 5 p.m. Bloody Mary, Coach? I am. Whitey <laughs> and I were sitting here, and we were deciding what we were going to have a cocktail with, and – uh he said there was some Bloody Mary mix in there. Why don't we have a little vodka and Bloody Mary? So I said, you know, that sounds like a plan. How so much spice, are. Coach? How much spice you put in your Bloody Mary? None. Zero. Zero. I'm not. Uh, no. No, I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't add a whole lot to it. You know. Just vodka, Pe- vodka, and tomato <laughs> juice, vodka, and tomato. <laughs> sounds good. It's simple. A lot of ice. A lot of ice, Sam. More or less ice than you put in your beer. Hey, how about uh, Belichick? Man, we got lost. Did you see where Atlanta just hired Raheem Morris? Yeah, no, good transition. Yeah, uh, Bill Belichick interviewed twice for the Falcons job, and then they hired Raheem Morris. What do you make of it? Well, I'm shocked that Bill would even go in for a second interview. What the heck is that? Are you kidding me? You're going to bring Bill Belichick in for a second interview? It's insulting in my mind. I mean, go ahead. Good luck. That's what I say. What do you so? I can't imagine. Maybe I'm wrong. I cannot imagine that they like chose Raheem Morris over Bill Belichick. Like my my perception would be that Bill Belichick would be interviewing the Falcons as much right. as as much as they are interviewing him. Like I can, I cannot imagine Arthur Blank took a meeting with Raheem Morris and took a meeting with Bill Belichick and then took a second meeting with Bill Belichick and was like, you know, I think Raheem Morris is more qualified. My, my, yeah, no, right? That's, I, that's I, not what I, happened. No, I, I agree with you. I, I'm sure that Bill uh, Bill had some demands, and maybe it was with the personnel end of it. Maybe it was with, you know, I don't know. But I'm sure he had demands because uh, Bill Bill's smart enough that he doesn't need to take the job. And, uh, you know, he probably had a quarterback. I would bet you that the quarterback discussion was a big part of that. You know, whether it's Ritter, the guy there, or whether it's making a trade for somebody, or whether it's moving up and drafting somebody. But I would be willing to bet that uh, that, that was a big part of the conversation. And there, there could have been a philosophy difference. I, I don't know. I don't know, but we'll find out. And then, you know, the other one that got me, how about Vic Fangio saying, I've had enough and heading to Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, the Eagles could certainly use him. <laughs> that defense needed oh. some some fixing, and Fangio's been able to fix a few defenses over the years. But for for Wait, head man. for head coaches, Dave, I mean, you know, whether it's Jim Harbaugh now going to the Chargers and Bill Belichick kind of just being out there as a, a coaching free agent, when there's the the opportunity to seize as much control as possible, it, it seems like that doesn't normally work in in a successful way, though. Do you think the modern coach can wear 
both hats, being the head coach and the personnel guy? No, no, I, I do not, and to answer your question. But I don't think Belichick really was demanding that. But I do know that he believes in the old school of, you know, if I'm going to cook the dinner, I want to make sure I get a chance to, you know, select the groceries for dinner. And so he, you know, to what extent, I don't know. But um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised. That one got me. Fangio got me. I mean, God bless the guy that got the Carolina job from Tampa. I mean, he was a kind of a quarterback guy a year ago, and they moved him to Tampa, and he's a coordinator for one year, and now he's the head coach in the NFL. I mean, you know, God bless these guys. Times have changed, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess if you got Sean McVay on your resume, you get a job. That's that's the first question they asked you. I don't know. Do you think? Bit- do you think Bill Belichick would be good on TV? Oh boy, I think Pete Carroll would be outstanding. Bill, I don't know. I don't know if Bill's got the time for all the silliness we got to put up with you know (laughs) seems like a pretty good gig yes it'd be a great gig but i think pete carroll i you know i wouldn't be surprised at some point if pete carroll doesn't end up out there in la at fox or something you know he's he's a hero in la not necessarily because of the seahawks but because of usc you know liner and reggie bush and on and on and on uh so i can see pete doing it for sure uh, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, the one, you know, we're talking head coaches. The one that's a mystery to me is Mike Vrabel. I, I thought that Mike, you know, I saw how players responded to him. I know coaches that have worked for Mike. Uh, I mean, he got robbed when they, they traded uh, the receiver to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that, that killed him. Two years ago, remember they made that trade? Yeah, A.J. Uh, Brown trade, yeah. A.J. Brown, I mean, that was a killer. And he stormed out of the draft room, remember, right in the middle of the draft. The GM traded him for a second-round pick, and he got up and stormed out of the draft room. And it's and, and the Titans have never been the same. So that's a little bit of a mystery why he hasn't uh, landed one of these jobs, to be honest with you. This has been viewed as one of the the deepest kind of coaching carousels that we've seen where a guy like Mike Vrabel, who who was so impressive in Tennessee, is a few notches below from a resume perspective with Belichick and, and Pete Carroll. I'm wondering with, with a guy like Pete Carroll, because we saw when the Bears hired John Fox, he was fresh off of kind of multiple different franchises. He had led to Super Bowl appearances. But then he got here to Chicago, and it seemed like, all right, maybe he was kind of on his last legs as a, as a coach. How would you advise a team to sort of know that about a guy like Pete Carroll? Because it's one thing to still have energy and passion, but there's such commitment that's necessary to coach at a high level in the NFL. How do you think a team would know if a guy like Pete Carroll is still really that into it? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because there is, uh, uh, boy, I I don't know. I think you just got to know enough people around him and and get his – What's his blueprint? What's his plan going forward? I, I don't know if anybody really does know until they hired a guy, but uh, Pete Carroll, you know, has an awful lot of pride in what he does. So I think you got to trust that the same with Belichick, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, these owners nowadays, they're hiring these, like I said, I talked about the guy from Tampa and I don't know him. He might be a great coach. He might be the next Belichick, 
you know, but he's the head coach at Carolina right now. And uh, uh, it's just hard for me to believe that these guys getting this job are more qualified than a Mike Vrabel. But it's it's maybe what the owners want now. You know, they, they don't um, they got to be comfortable and owners are more vocal now than they've ever been in the league. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just two jobs open now, right? It's Seattle and Washington. Is that right? Yeah, you guys would know more than me. I I don't know if anything else happened today or not, but uh, that's that's what I, I I think the guy at Detroit's got uh, the offensive coordinator. I think he's got the Washington job locked up, from what I'm told. Uh, that's what Boomer that's what Boomer Esiason said. But I, I saw that they were bringing back Dan Quinn for a second interview. Yeah. I mean, but you, so you heard that from someone that wasn't Boomer that Ben Johnson's the next coach in Washington. Yep. 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 That they got a good young, you know, the GM was assistant guy at San Francisco. I mean, they're going young. You know, they've made a decision that they weren't going to get a Belichick or a guy that's, that's at the end. So they're building young. They're building, um, uh, you know, with the GM they're and they're going that direction, I think, with the coach. So, I mean, I like that. That's a young GM, young offensive head coach, draft a quarterback second overall. Built, mm-hmm. built right. I mean that that seems. T- I'm sorry. I'll ask a longer question so you can take a sip of your Bloody Mary. Uh, but that, that that seems like a pretty good formula. And then yes, right. I do. I, I, yeah, I I agree. I mean it's uh, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I I like that, and, and I think they're going to get a guy that's you know Detroit. At least at least you're into the uh, conference championship games. If they you know who knows, it might be in the Super Bowl. You know you don't know. So right. They're, 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 they do got to do something in Washington to be positive at the press conference. So, yeah, so he would he would fulfill that. Uh, he checked that box also, no question about it. You know, we have two great championship Sunday games: Lions and Niners, and Chiefs and Ravens. We'll get Wani's thoughts with Ant Heron in for Speaks. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Dave Wanstead. And I'm always available unless I'm doing something. Uh, with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Dave Wanstead in Florida. Whitey riding shotgun. We already talked to Brady Quinn. Anthony Heron in for Speaks. Let's talk Championship Sunday, Coach. Uh, we'll do the NFC first, even though it's the later game, but just the AFC matchup just feels like such a heavyweight fight. What chances do you give the lions of going to san francisco and winning um i give the lions a big chance i actually picked them to win this game okay uh i'll tell you why now the the two things that concern me about the lions and i'll be very honest with you dan campbell that he keeps his emotions to himself uh and by that i mean you know he, he is such an emotional coach and it's what drives this team, but in a game like this, going for it on fourth down, not kicking the field goal, running that fake punt, whatever it might be, the trick play. I mean, all those things, he's got to be real careful, in my opinion, that he doesn't let his emotions cloud his mind. And the same thing with Aaron Glenn, their defensive coach. You know, Aaron Glenn, I think, is outstanding. He should be interviewing for some jobs. But let me tell you what happens. If you watch the game, when San Francisco hits a quick pass on him for 15, 20 yards, or they pop a run with McCaffrey, he's going to come back the next play, and he's going to blitz Branch 
a safety or he's going to bring a linebacker. He's going to do something to try to put the fire out, fire out right away. And sometimes that's the worst thing you can do because now you're setting yourself up for man coverage one-on-one and they, and then San Francisco gets the big play on them. So I think talent wise that San Francisco has got a young team, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that first Super Bowl team we had at Dallas where we weren't nobody coaches or players. We weren't thinking about going to the Super Bowl. We were just thinking about who we got next and we're going to, how are we going to win this game? And then pretty soon we're, we're out there in Pasadena playing for it. And I, I kind of think that, you know, this, this Detroit team is a little bit that way. So I think it's going to be a good game. You know, think about Purdy now. And he is, hey, trust me, San Francisco's offense is top five in every category. We know that. But last week, you say it, you're going to call it like it is. The guy had 10 incompletions. Four of them were over the guy's head, uncatchable. Four of them were in the dirt. Okay, uncatchable. And then two of them were kind of misses or drops or whatever you want to call them. So in a game like that, it makes me a little nervous that uh, quarterback misses plays like that. Was it the weather? I don't know. But uh, I kind of like Detroit. Was there a coaching matchup? Was there a guy who ever in that Dan Campbell sort of way where you always had to be worried about him? going for fourth down, whether or not they're going to try a fake punt where you spend the whole week, you almost can't just focus on just kind of the snap-by-snap game planning because you got this wild card that's going to be on the other sideline that might just do anything kind of unorthodox at a given moment? You know who was kind of that way, in Jerry Glanville. Right. When he was in Atlanta, and, and you see, he was kind of that type of coach where uh, you never knew, you know, and uh, – uh, yes. So, uh, you know, he was t- type one of those guys and he always had a trick play and you got to the point if you were playing him and I used to tell my offensive coaches, I want to run our trick play before he runs his so that we, uh, you know, usually the team that runs it first, it kind of mentally talks the other team out of doing it. So, but he would be one guy that would come to mind. So the AFC championship game, do you have a pick? I like Baltimore. Hey, guys, Baltimore, first of all, you know what's great about this game? Both teams are healthy for the most part. Andrews is coming back, and, yeah, he's not going to be full speed. But I'll tell you what, wherever Mark Andrews lines up, I guarantee you that Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, he's going to have some – he's going he's gonna to draw attention because he's such a great player. And, and we know that, that Lamar, you know, he's not moving out of the pocket to run it like he did two or three years ago. He's legitimately moving out of the pocket and he's making throws down the field. So you got that run pass combination. And then, um, uh, and then defensively guys, I know how good Kansas city is, but everybody thinks of Baltimore and this is important for the listeners. Everybody thinks Baltimore. You think, uh, Oh boy, Wink Martindale, blitz, 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 Ray Lewis, Rex Ryan. Guys, these guys on first and second down, they're 26th in the league in blitzing, and they're just a little higher than on third down. They are a coverage rush four. Now, they may drop a defensive tackle and rush Roquan, or they may drop a defensive end and rush Patrick Queen, but they are a predominantly a four-man rush, and they're, but you don't know where the guys are coming from, and they do a great job of disguise. The best on defense. They're number one in sacks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number one in interceptions tied. 
number one, I think in takeaways. Uh, you're second, I think, in the league in red zone. They're first in the league in giving up points, 16 some points a game. So they are, they're the best team right now in football, in my opinion. And I look for them to win. Now, of the four quarterbacks remaining here, I'm going to put words in Danny's mouth that he's probably uttered on the station, but I don't, I don't know if he said it this week or not. But my Go guess ahead. is because Patrick Mahomes is the remaining QB who's won at this point multiple Super Bowls. None of the other QBs that remain have won a Super Bowl. That it's pretty obvious Kansas City it should be the favorite here, but you're not picking the Chiefs. Why, why doesn't it make sense to just say Mahomes is obviously the best QB here, so the Chiefs are going to run away with this thing? You, you know what? I just did a show with Dan Hampton, and he said just what you said, Ant. And my response is this: Last week the Chiefs had 43 plays. Don't don't take count the kneel downs, and Pacheco had 15 of them. So what does that, and all of a sudden, everybody's catching the ball. Rice is catching the ball. Kelsey doesn't have any drop, on and on. I think that they came into the game just like they did the second half of the Super Bowl, and Andy Reid made up his mind that he was going to run the ball, take some pressure off of Mahomes, let his defense play, and let's see how this thing unfolds. That's what they did against Buffalo. Because they didn't have, Buffalo had 20-some more plays. And uh, I think that took a lot of pressure off Mahomes saying, wow, you know, we're moving the ball. We're running it. You, you know, we're not going to throw it 50 times a game. I'm not going to get so, you know, everybody starts catching the ball and he gets his confidence. I think we got to watch the game plan. Watch the first quarter and what are the Chiefs going to do? Are they going to say, Patrick Mahomes, you got to win this game? If they do that, it makes me nervous. I, I really like Baltimore. If they come out and they use similar game plan with Pacheco and company setting up the play action pass, then I think that I think that helps Mahomes and it helps any quarterback, and I think it helps him too. So you then have it as a Ravens and Lions Super Bowl, uh, Dave. We were talking earlier in the week, and Jay Gruden was on the show, and he talked about the idea of a of a frantic play caller, and I had never. I never heard that before. I was thinking, is it a guy who abandons the run too early, um, doesn't stay to the pregame plan? I didn't. I didn't know. But he said that Shane Waldron was calm, and that's what you want. You don't want there to be a frantic or frenetic uh, play caller. Does such a thing exist? What What do you think he means when you talk about that sort of thing? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit like I was describing with Aaron Glenn that he's got to be careful that uh, okay. and it can happen that they make a play on you and all of a sudden you're going to go to something else. And, you know, maybe that's something that you haven't practiced as much. And, you know, you give up a big play. And the same thing can happen on offense. I mean, you get – God, I've, I've seen that for years. Offensive coordinators, they get stuffed twice on the run. And we've seen it in Chicago. And that's the end of it. They're going to throw the ball now. And, and, and the response is, we couldn't run it. Well, you know, I mean, to, to me, that's that's what I would call frantic play caller is, is that you abandon ship, you abandon the game plan uh, way too soon, way too soon. Interesting. Have you heard about any of those Bears coaches, those offensive coaches getting gigs? Like, is Luke Ketsy going to get the Raiders job or anything? You know what? I haven't talked to Luke or, or Janoko or any of those guys since, uh, since everything happened, whatever that was, a week or two ago. 
I don't know. But guess what? I got now you just gave me something to do later. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. You let us know. So it's officially official where Harbaugh is now with the Chargers and he's going to have access to Justin Herbert as a quarterback. Do you view that as a as a big missed opportunity for the Bears? I've been on since last night kind of talking about it from that standpoint. Just a lot of folks feeling like the Bears should have at least given it strong consideration. Now that he's officially back in the league, was this a, a missed opportunity here? I would say no. Um, you know, sometimes coming home is not what it's made out to be, even though Jim's a fantastic coach and he would be very successful here. Matt Everflus, they did the right thing. Keep him Matt Everflus. Matt deserves it. Matt Matt did a fabulous job turning the defense around and keeping the, the team on, on an improving plane going forward. So I think the Bears did the right decision by keeping Flus. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. And Yeah, it, it didn't surprise me with Jim. This wasn't about money. You know, I, I've talked to Jim enough. And I'll tell you what, the transfer pool, Jim's not old school, okay? He's a lot younger, but he's come from the, he comes from that school and that he takes so much pride in Michigan and you, it should be an, it would never say it, but you know, honor to play at Michigan and we're giving you a scholarship son and we're going to give you a fabulous education and you know, the NIL stuff and the transfer portal, a guy like Jim Harbaugh that comes with, with a lot of substance about him. And a lot of you know, a lot of school commitment and loyalty that bothers a guy like him, and I think a little bit like Saban, you know, that that just uh, uh, it's 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 the, mo- the modern day modern era of college football is tough for a lot of those guys to deal with, you know. What's the plan for Championship Sunday down in Naples, Dave? You know what? I'm going to play golf that morning. And uh, and then just hang around at my buddy's house, Big Dave, and uh, we're going to eat and have a f- couple cocktails and watch the games. Nothing, uh, nothing unusual. And then get ready for the shows next week. You know, I, I got to actually pay attention a little bit here and see uh, see how this thing unfolds. Twitch and YouTube wants to see Whitey. Can you get Whitey on camera, please? Come on over here, Whitey. Say hello. <laughs> Dave's got hey, the whole crew. What's up, Wendy City? There you go. Wendy. Hey, How Whitey. How you doing? We, we miss- to see you guys. Good to see you. We miss you. Whitey. Hey, Whitey's taking, hey, Whitey's taking the Steelers. Oh, he didn't, <laughs> didn't, he didn't realize that they weren't in the... Uh, I got my Iron City, though. Good. Get him some Iron City mango, Dave. All right, Dave. Enjoy Florida. Enjoy the games. We'll talk next week. All right, man. See ya. All, All, right, coach. All right. That's Dave Wanstead and Whitey. Down in Florida with Brady Quinn because those are the types of things we do around I've here. I've never been so happy to see Whitey. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. This is a this is a kind, gentle Whitey. Momentous occasion. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, always, there's always one. Casual Big Dave drop in there, too. We haven't seen Big Dave in a while. It's, he's part of the crew. He's one of Dave's many fall, ga- fall guys. He's, he's, he's got, he's That's got, his thing. He's surrounded by. He's surrounded by fall guys. And if you haven't met Big Dave, he's literally a bigger version of Dave Wanstead. He came okay. in here one time. He sat in a chair in the studio during the hit, and he put his headphones on inside out, so the the part with the speakers was facing outward and not inward. He just sat like that the whole time. Yeah, and he blocked my view of the other guys across there because he was such a giant. I couldn't really see past him. Was there a mustache? Fall guy in the crew.
Exactly, Chris no, Carter. No mustache, clean shaven. Okay. Yeah, which All was right. dis- which was very disappointing. As it should be. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, I want you to weigh in on something we were talking about earlier in the week, and then we yeah. will go through your uh, Bears research project coming oh, yeah. up right. at uh, 5 o'clock. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. My thing was all bangers all the time. All bangers all the time. So when you hear that, and there's only an hour left in the show, be the sixth caller and get in there. There's a Harbaugh connection there. We've been talking Harbaugh the whole show. Michigan had a defensive coordinator who Jim Harbaugh stole from his brother John Harbaugh, Mike McDonald, who was his Michigan defensive coordinator. Then Mike McDonald went back from Michigan to the Baltimore Ravens and will be coaching in the AFC championship game this weekend. Okay. And Michael McDonald is one of the Duke I'm brothers. There we there go. There. Thanks for bringing it home. Bring it home, yeah. home for our guy, Danny. Yeah. And I was like, having zero idea what that connection was. Where is the, the connection? The most famous Doobie brother is named it's Michael his McDonald. Name Michael McDonald. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> 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 Completely blank stare. Blank stare. <laughs> I was like, All right. I forget that sometimes. This is, this is a fun fact that you're sharing about the Harbaugh What brothers. does it have to do with my live read I just <laughs> yeah. did? Yeah, I have no idea. You're a professional. Make a connection for us, Ant. Jeez. All right. Yeah, that makes sense now. Uh, yeah, it's Mike McDonald. We had a lot of fun <laughs> with right. that on Big Ten thank, Radio. Thank you. All right. Well, what did I say we were going to talk? Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting. What you were going to talk about. That, that, that's a Doobie that's Brothers That's a Doobie Brothers song? Yes. Mm-hmm. So are these just brothers that smoke a lot of doobies? <laughs> that would be my guess. Is that what it is? Are we is, is some, Probably. Po- some pot smoking brothers? Got to get Speaks on the line. And have is that what the Doobie that. Brothers? Can I get a thumbs up, Ray? I feel like you're enjoying this. <laughs> you, you Are you aware? These are- <laughs> I'm going to apologize in advance, and I'm assuming people are probably calling in right now thinking that that's cueing the contest, which that's not the same song that should be cueing the contest. No, it's whatever right? he just played is cueing the contest. I thought Adam was going to jump in with a little karaoke with oh, Michael McDonald I mean, there. That's if I, I knew the words better, I would, but I don't really know Project all for the tomorrow. lyrics. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and there's more falsetto in the doobies that I'm comfortable with there. An octave below would be more my range, but... Man, I, I dig it. Mind That's not a bad idea, though. Why don't you know? You just learn a verse. Yeah, yeah that'll be the solicitor okay. tomorrow. Yeah, okay. you learn a verse. You, you'll, you'll sing it in the two o'clock hour, okay. and then we will bring it back in the five o'clock hour okay. at some point, and then that can be, get people some tickets. All right. We'll just have you sing it live at some point randomly in the five o'clock hour. I think that's better. Okay. That is probably point of Danny's thoughts. Yeah. 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 Thought exercises. <laughs> yeah. Just thought exercises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fine. That's fine. It's gonna See be if Friday. I can slip it by Danny as a lyric that he has no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. Make a point with. With uh-huh. the lyric in it, yeah. yeah. I will warn you, Danny. We are working on uh, having some fellas team up against you in studio at three three o'clock tomorrow. Some fellas yeah. team up against <laughs> me. Are we, are we back to Chicago being dangerous? Is, yeah. that, is that what we're back to now? Yeah. What's gonna happen tomorrow? I, let's, let's, we'll just make it a surprise. <laughs> fellas are gonna team up against me. Okay. I mean, if it's a fight, I'm going to lose. No, not a physical fight. No, if, no, 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 no. If it's a sports debate. No, it's not a physical fight. Okay. I would never do that to you. Okay. Unless well, I was really mad. All right, well, sports debate. It takes a uh, lot to get Shane mad. Yeah, they can. Uh, yeah, no. bring, bring them you, all You in. like your chances in a debate. I mean, I'm not so. going to. Uh, it might be a draw. Probably not going to lose. Okay. All right, we'll bring Han again. We'll see. <laughs> I wiped the floor with Han <laughs> in that debate. Okay. I, I got to listen to that one on the Odyssey app. I, I'm sorry I missed that one live. I'm going to I'm gonna rewind the Odyssey app at some point and hear that. I got to yeah. check it out. 
I mean, he was just he was yelling at me about the QB one part. I'm like, we're here to talk about Sammy Sosa. Buddy. Were you in Vegas or what? No, we he was in, yelling at he, you about was, the QB one well, part. He, he knew that he had lost. He saw the text line. He saw how un- unpopular his arguments were, and then he started lashing out like Vegas Haw at the end. That was he was very Vegas Haw at the end, which is my preferred version. Right. I of, mean, of David Haw, as we all why know. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. No, it's better than waking up at four in the morning. I mean, that just seems absolutely miserable. Uh-huh. Oh, God. But, no, I was going to ask you, uh, people keep sending me, uh, when Gabe and I were talking, we were talking about biggest ripoffs in parenting, and you and I have been talking parenting off Mm -hmm. air here. What's the biggest ripoff in your six years as a father to Bishop? (sighs) There's nothing where I I feel like someone has kind of ripped me off as a a dad. Um, You're like like a kid expense where you're like, this is inflate, this is just, this is, (laughs) this is greedy. Um, hmm. People gave some great examples. Yeah. I don't know. Give, give me uh, give me a couple of examples that people gave so I can kind of travel sports of like like youth yeah, travel sports. Have done any of that have done uh, kid snips, which is a barbershop in a toy shop. So your kid like you give them a toy for like their first mm. haircut or something for being brave with the haircut, huh. and then all of a sudden the haircut costs you sixty dollars. And then That's interesting. And then and then uh, <laughs> six weeks later they go to get the next haircut and they expect yeah. a toy now every time they get a haircut. Right. Real rip off those types of places. I suppose. Uh, like I, I've talked to you guys about the kids club at, at resorts that we've gone to before. We like to travel. We like to bring our son, but for, not for traveling. You don't like to bring him so much that you hang out with him, you, right? Not you, the entire time. You, you pawn him off. We, on we the need kids a little club. mom and daddy time when we're taking trips as well. So these kids clubs, where if you go to a certain type of resort, the kids club is a part of the expense. But then there can be things to purchase inside of the kids club. Mm. Then there will be items. the add-ons. Yes, yes, the add-ons, and then the staff at the kids club, and especially if you want to maybe go like. Have a private dinner for mom and daddy time. And you get the person from the kids club who can also come be a babysitter in the room for a certain part of the evening. That gets very, very expensive. And if you had an all-inclusive resort, why isn't all included here? We're just looking for a little extra You think the all-inclusive resort should include full-time child care? Child care. I think (laughs) that that asking too much. It is all-inclusive, quote-unquote, and the child care is not included in that. But it's not... It's not like anything included. It's, it's just, then they shouldn't be all. Most inclusive resort food, would be the drink, more accurate way to turn. Lodging, yeah. yeah. Almost inclusive resort as opposed to all inclusive would be a, a lot more accurate as opposed to just saying all. It's not, the, not really all. It's not like the spa is included in all inclusive. You got to pay for a massage or something. Yeah. There are add-ons. It's not like the golf's included, the parasailing, whatever the case may be. Yeah. That's fair. Child care. We had quite a parasailing experience one time, but that had nothing to do what with What happened our, with to it? Did you trust uh, trust the wrong person? Well, no. You signed I, one of those waivers. I was completely comfortable. My my wife was not. There was a there was a, a parasailing specialist, I suppose, whoever set in the deal. Oh, up I'm sure they were a real didn't, expert. Didn't make my wife feel very safe when we when we did it. So we're in the air the entire time. I'm like, oh, look at this, look at that. Let's take some pictures. And she's just kind of nervously shaking the entire time yeah. because they did not make her feel secure before we went in the air. I believe it. They tell her she was doing too much and that she was not doing enough. Do less, do more. Uh, there, there wasn't as much of that, just as much as like they didn't really tell her about the carabiner, secure and this and that. And like, how are you actually when you get in the air? How are you actually going to be safe when you're up there? She was hoping for more instruction than we got on the way up. Nice reference. Yeah. Thanks for laughing. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I got appreciate it. that. Kuna. No problem, man. I'm there to back you up. Well, shake your head. Don't shake, it. Don't shake your head at I us. looked at Tanny right away. I was like, they didn't catch the reference. I got the reference. That's a fun movie. <laughs> now, well, now you're not doing anything. Thanks, else. Justin Steele. No. No. Thanks Who is it? Thanks for listening, Shane. Daniel Norris. <laughs> oh, Justin Steele's the drop guy. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't been able to play that? that drop. That's Daniel Norris. Thank, Thank you, you, Daniel Norris. <laughs> All right.
Thanks, Daniel Norris. Tanny's open into Big Aunt Heron's research project where he believes he's proven that, I, that I'm wrong about something. You're wrong. Okay. Yes. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm not the best analogy guy. So, you, you know, you give a mouse a cookie, you want a glass of milk. Gabe, in a break, just gave me a, a Fields analogy. It's unreal how Bears fans have watched this for three years, and they're still, like, totally on board with it. And I said, I've driven the Justin Fields lease for three years, and I, and I don't want to buy it. I want to move on from this car. I want something new. And even I know, and the next car might not be better. I might not love it as much. But I'm ready to drive something new. But you know you don't want to buy this one. This is not it. I've seen some other cars out there that are that are nice. And people talk about the Kia Telluride. <laughs> I need to talk to you about um, cars. Oh, cars. Yeah. Use your brakes. Don't floor it. Please. Then you throw a rod, you, you flood your carburetor, you crack your block. You understand what I'm saying? Nah, man. No sex before marriage. You know what it is, and you don't want to be committed to it. Anyone who's ever leased a car has absolutely been in that situation. If you buy the new car, you're kind of like, it's like a Lamborghini. Okay, but those new cars have concrete features that are better than the car before. It's it's better Bluetooth. It's more features on the dash. Yeah, it's wireless car holders. Yeah. More acceleration. It's got more power. It's got better handling. It's got what? It's got more legroom for your legs. It's got more power. You just said that. And the thing with these new QBs, though, detailed. their value plummets the second you drive them off a lot and into Hallis Hall. The value just goes way down. Yep. So. But it just it hit me. I was like, damn, that is exactly what this is. That is exactly what it is. There are no wrong answers. So let's go around the room. And you just go ahead and call out features you'd love to see implemented in your ideal car. What are some ways we can make it family friendly? No a space for mother-in-law. That's not helpful. Shut up, Paul. You probably love your mother-in-law. I actually do. Oh my god! He admitted it! One, two, three, and here we go, Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Been a fun show. Thank you for hanging out. Still have Doobie Brothers tickets to give away. Anthony Heron is in for Spiegs. Should let you know that Lawrence Holmes will be at Benny's in Orland Park with Remy Martin tonight starting at 530. He will be there. So if you're out and around in Orland Park, go see Lawrence Holmes. You could register on site for a chance to win a spot to play hoops on the Court of Dreams. A winner will be drawn at 7, so get there and register. You do not need to be present to win, but you need to register on site. And Remy will be sampling, too, so come and try a Remy sidecar. Does that sound familiar at all? If I hear Yamo be there one more time, I'm going to Yamo burn this place to the ground. (laughs) Know that. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know the movie reference, not yeah, the music yeah. reference that the movie was referencing. That, yeah, that's, that's how I do it. Yeah, exa- exactly. But I'm, sh- I'm sure you nailed it. <laughs> of course. I'm sure you nailed it. Of course it. I did. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so what? Uh, what's uh, what's this big research project? All right, what, so, what, what'd you do over here? So it was it was last Friday uh, where I had I just had some time on my hands. I wasn't calling any games. I wasn't hosting any shows. Well, not during the day at least. So I just like man, I, I hear people keep talking about we're basically we're we're kind of alleviating the bears of responsibility, and they just need to quote unquote get the right guy. They just got to draft the right quarterback, and it's this magic elixir. And in my mind, I had a few teams, I've been tweeting about it a little bit in recent weeks also, where there's some teams in my head that have won consistently 
really for decades at this point without necessarily having kind of that one guy that's done it. The Patriots are, are an example of they had the one guy and the one coach, and they won a bunch over the last 20, 20-plus 20 years really, yeah. with that combination. So I removed the Patriots from this. I removed the – the Steelers from this because Ben Roethlisberger was there for so long. I removed the Packers from this with two back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But I just went and I looked at every team in the NFL and went over the last 25 years, how often have they made the playoffs? How often have they been 500 or better? How many different coaches and quarterbacks have taken them to postseason play? And the Bears, for an example, are a team who, you know, I just, I, the, the way I listed the Bears and part of this last 25 years is because back in 1999, the Bears drafted Kay McNown in the first round. 03, they drafted Rex Grossman. Then they drafted two other first round quarterbacks, of course. More recently, 2017 was Mitchell Trubisky. 2021 was Justin Fields. But which teams have drafted, developed, or just acquired quarterbacks and found a way to have success, regardless of whether or not they've drafted that guy in the first round? drafted that guy number one overall there's a bunch of teams who find consistent success frankly at a much higher level like I've heard you use the San Francisco example of kind of the 49ers being the lone team that's kind of cracked that that code well yeah I'm not going back 20 25 years with it just as the as the game has changed but yeah go ahead yeah but the being the team who's kind of done that and a bunch of teams like the the team who over the last quarter century has done it at the highest level most consistently has been Baltimore. Baltimore's made 14 out of the last 25 playoffs. They've been 500 or better in Baltimore 20 times out of the last 25 years. They just happen to be in an exceptional division where being 500 or better 20 out of the last 25 years doesn't always get you to the playoffs. But they've been to a couple of Super Bowls, won both of those between Brian Billick and John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, not a guy who was an offensive play caller before becoming the Ravens head coach. Yep. Quarterbacks who've taken in the playoffs. Trent Dilfer, Kyle Bowler, Steve McNair, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, none of them was the the number one pick uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. Philadelphia would be next on that list, 16 of the last 25 playoffs, one and two in Super Bowls over the last quarter century. Seattle, not a team who you think of having, you know, exceptional high-level, like number one pick quarterback success. But the Seahawks, between Mike Holmgren and Pete Carroll, those are the two coaches who've been best over that time. They will both be in the Hall of Fame, of course. Yeah. Uh, Holmgren already there, but John Kitna, Matt Hasselbeck, Yep, uh, Russell to the Wilson, of course, have taken them to the playoffs. And in that time, they're one and two in Super Bowls with those guys at QB. Kansas City was actually a team that surprised me because I, don't, I didn't think of the Chiefs. And, you know, you were obviously in Kansas City. But I didn't think of them as far as the last quarter century of being a franchise that just consistently does it at a high level. Trent I've Green, of Trent Green more, won a bunch. Alex right, won a yeah, bunch. I thought of them as a team just in the last sort of, you know, maybe decade here. But you go back, 12 out of the last 25 playoffs, 17 times they've been 500 or better in the last 25 years. And three Super Bowl appearances, two and one in that time. Of course, two of those with um, you know, with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But between Dick Vermeil, Herm Edwards, Todd Haley, Andy Reid, a variety of coaches have taken Kansas City to at least the playoffs. And then being able to make the Super Bowl, there have been a few different guys who've been able to actually get that done. Or, uh, all three Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback there. So just kind of looking at the last quarter century, and to me, a team like the Cowboys, we never hear of the Cowboys tearing it down or tanking to get the top pick or doing anything like that. They're always going for it, and they're always in the mix. In Dallas, they've been 500 or better 18 times in the last 25 years without saying we got to go get the number one quarterback in the draft to make it happen. So I think saying that getting the right guy, quote-unquote, is is what the Bears need to focus on, that to me absolves the Bears of of – Franchises like this, a bunch of examples of teams who've won at a much higher level than the Bears have, 
over the last quarter century. You look at the last decade, over, over the last decade, a bunch of teams who've won at a higher level than the Bears without having that number one pick. The infrastructure around the quarterback, the decision-making associated with who you get at QB, whether it's in the draft or in a trade or free agency or anything else, that matters to me even more so than having the opportunity for the number one pick. And I, I think that because of the dis discussion we've had about the last couple of quarterbacks, Trubisky, Fields, and whether or not the play caller is right, whether or not the quarterback is right, the Bears as a franchise have not won at nearly as high a level of a bunch of other teams. There's teams that I haven't even listed yet that win at a higher level than the Bears over the last quarter century. Let's just call it this century here who aren't necessarily one of these top teams in football but are consistently in the mix far more often than the Bears are. So I love the work and what you did. I do think that we're arguing like slightly different points here. Okay. Um, like you said, I removed the Patriots, Packers, Colts, Steelers, and Saints because mm -hmm. it came with Hall of Fame quarterback play. Right. You also then removed the majority of the Super Bowls of the last 25 years. Okay. Literally more than half of them. All right. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. the goal isn't to have a better than 500 season. Mm -hmm. The goal is not to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's not the goal. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And for these guys to actually win Super Bowls, the Chiefs, yeah, they won 10 games, 11 games with Alex Smith. They won 12, 13 games with Trent Green. All right. And then they ran into Peyton Manning in the playoffs and lost in a game yeah. they didn't punt. You know, like, mm -hmm. so... Uh, it, it like yes, I mean I covered a Bears team that won twelve games with Mitch Trubisky and the number one defense that turned it over, but it wasn't sustainable. It popped up for a year, and so like you've removed the franchise Hall of Fame quarterbacks who've won more than half of the Super Bowls in the last quarter of century in your data set, mm -hmm. and so to me like we're taught like. No, there's no disputing that the Bears top to bottom organizationally are not as good as a bunch of other teams. And that like, if you just hire a great coach and then that raises the floor consistently and the Bears have had way too many bad coaches. The fact that they, the, the Brad Big stat where they've only had two offensive coordinators last longer than two years in the last 25 years, mm -hmm. they've had 13 offensive coordinators in the last 26 years. That is a staggering amount of turnover, mm -hmm. right, for that position. So there is no continuity. But you were talking about earlier how you thought it was the McCaskies that were uncomfortable with Jim Harbaugh. Right. And I agree. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's why I unfortunately think the savior has to be the quarterback – because, and I've said this a hundred times, and I just like the turn of phrase, the Bengals were the Bungles until they got Joe Burrow. They lost more games over a 20-year run than the Bears did with Mike Brown as their owner. They were the losingest franchise in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Marvin Lewis won some games yeah. in the regular season with Andy Dalton. Never won anything in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They were thrilled to go 9-7 and seven and lose in the first round of the playoffs. They eventually get the number one pick, get this franchise-altering guy, and now their Super Bowl window of contention, his words, is open as long as he's there. He's been in two AFC Championship games, won one, lost in the Super Bowl four years into the NFL. Um, so w do I wish that the Bears operated organizationally with a history of hiring prowess like the Chiefs did? Hiring Dick Vermeil, 
having Carl Peterson as a GM, attracting Andy Reid to come there. Uh, of course, but they don't. And I can't tell, I can't get the McCaskies to sell the team. I wanted them to fire Matt Eberflus and take a swing at Jim Harbaugh and mm-hmm. take a swing at Ben Johnson and try to get a better coach. But they don't want to pay Matt Eberflus's staff for two years to go away and then pay a head coach 15 to $20 million a year. Like, I can't, I can't change who owns the team. Andy Reid became a free agent when he left Philadelphia. Clark Hunt canceled plans, got on a private jet, flew to Philadelphia, and met him in an airport hangar when he was getting ready to go interview for a different job. Intercepted his job interview, never took the other interview, then flew him back to Kansas City, and he got his man. And in whatever way, the Chargers did something similar with Jim Harbaugh, where he had a second interview scheduled with the Falcons. They said, that's not happening. We're going to make this happen now. And Jim Harbaugh's the coach of the Chargers. So, Of course, I wish that I rooted for an organization that had like the Ravens pedigree of hiring coaches and Ozzie Newsome and and like 20 years of like beating their teams by the draft. And uh, but we don't. My point is (laughs) that's more plausible, though, because the one quarterback who cures everything is the outlier. That's not normally how it works normally it is we get great personnel we get quality coaching who develops the entire roster and then we can build a consistent winner from there like since Troy Aikman and you can even make an argument about Troy Aikman but certainly since Troy Aikman is Tony Romo an all-time great QB no is Dak Prescott an all-time great QB at this point no but the Cowboys are in the mix on an annual basis every single year in a deep division. They win games time after time. No question. Cowboys fans watch their team do it year in and year out, and then they get disappointed in the playoffs. But the way the Cowboys have been able to accomplish it, the way the Eagles have Romo, been able to accomplish Romo it. Romo and Dak would be the best quarterback in Bears franchise history by a significant margin. But is it because each of them – you know, late-round pick for Dak and undrafted free agent for Romo, is that because both of them were just remarkably capable? Or did Jerry Jones, to his credit, actually put a team in place Definitely. that nurtured their talent? Definitely. I, I, I think probably a combination of both. But, yeah, but yeah absolutely, they, are, they hit on a higher percentage of draft picks and have built a better team around them and all of that. This, the opportunity, though, that, that is here for mm-hmm. the Bears is to take a swing. Right at one of those guys who can be the great elixir. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the thing. Like, if, if the Bears didn't have Carolina's pick, we'd be talking about, like, okay, I hope Ryan Poles is as good at this as we see, and he's got to build it up, and he's mm-hmm. got to hit on a couple more first-round picks, and he's got to find some late-round guys. And it doesn't mean that he still doesn't need to do those things. One you, a, a quarterback alone can't win. But it's that isn't what the Bears have. They have Montez Sweat, and they have DJ Moore, and they have Cole Komet, and they have Tevin Jenkins, and they have Darnell Wright, and they have Jaquan Brisker, and Jalen Johnson, and Tyreek Stevenson, and Kyler Gordon, and Javon Dexter. They've got, like, a pretty good team. Yeah, a, a building, a growing young roster. Yeah. yeah. So if if Ryan Poles just has one more good offseason and upgrades at quarterback, they can be the Lions. They can, they can absolutely be playing divisional weekend of the NFL playoffs next year, mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Like I, so, like, I, it's not that I don't wish that they had um, – oh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Philly's GM. Um, uh, Roseman? Yeah, yeah, Howie Roseman. Yeah. Obviously, 
Like I mean, he's he's one of the most valuable people in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Like just like a different coach, different quarterback, uh, within the two different Super Bowls within a five year period of time. Like that's good executiving. But if, you know, like, but it's hard. It's hard. That's also hard to do in in this scenario. <laughs> if Ryan Poles is Howie Roseman or some version of him, stockpiling your roster puts you in that position more plausibly to take the North and never give it back than just finding that one quarterback who kind of solves things. That for I disagree you. with. Okay, you that, think it's more plausible to with. find the quarterback who cures everything than it is to build a roster that can just continue to churn out wins. Like, like, do, you th- do you think that the – so, like, the Lions, Brad Holmes just won executive of the year since we've mm. been on the air. Yeah. He has every draft pick of his three drafts are still on the Lions. Like, he seems to be great at this, right, mm. on a three-year sample. I don't think they're set up for 10 years of success. You know, because, because it – because linemen get old and receivers get old and what, sure. what one or two – like, whereas – like the teams that you've just like removed from your sample. Like mm-hmm. I agree they are the first ballot Hall of Famer quarterbacks, but like if you have Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, if you've got a shot to get one of those guys, mm-hmm. those are the guys that individually 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 yeah. are the the through line and they go to the playoffs eight times in 10 years. But out of the, out of the teams that, and I'm, I've just mentioned the teams who are kind of at the top of the, the pecking order there were Baltimore, Philadelphia, Seattle, Kansas city, Dallas. Yep. Out of those squads, the only one that, that went high and drafted the QB who kind of did it all for him is Kansas city. And Patrick Mahomes was what? The 10th pick in the draft or something like that. Yep. Uh, But none of these teams drafted a QB number one overall and did it. All of them, had That's infrastructure right. in place that have actually sustained their success over the last quarter century at a really high level. Even the Minnesota Vikings, like we don't think of the Minnesota Vikings as this great franchise. That was one that surprised me and said, oh, the Vikings have more consistently won at a high level. They haven't been to a Super Bowl. But between Jeff George, Dante Culpepper, Gus Farratt, Brett Favre, Christian Ponder, uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, those are all guys who've at least taken the Vikings to the playoffs in that time over the last quarter century, more often than the Bears have been able to muster that in Chicago. Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay has been to two Super Bowls in that time, but Trent Dilfer, Sean King, Sean King, Brad Johnson, Chris Sims, Jeff Garcia, Tom Brady, and Baker Mayfield have all taken Tampa Bay to the playoffs here. I don't I don't remember how – was Trent Dilfer number one overall pick? I don't remember how high Trent got drafted. I don't think he was no, number he, one No, he was, he was like the fifth pick or something like that. He was, he was, he was, a, he was a high pick. He was a big-time prospect. Like, you know, Tampa Bay is even a franchise who've, who've done it more consistently than the Bears have and have also won two Super Bowls over the last quarter century without having that one guy who kind of gets everything done for you within the draft. They got a great roster together and then went out and spent money, brought Tom Brady in, and then took things to that Super Bowl level with him, winning one with Tom Brady. But even Tampa Bay has been more consistently successful than the Bears over the last quarter century without having that one guy that just cures everything for them. I think- so I'm not saying having the one guy, like having, if you go get Drew Brees when he's available or yeah. you know, to draft Joe Burrow when he's there. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. And as we discussed earlier in the show, I think the Bears will and probably in my mind should Go ahead and draft Caleb Williams number one overall. My point is we shouldn't absolve the rest of the infrastructure the Bears need in place to set Caleb Williams up for success because I have heard you say that San Francisco is the only team who's proven to be QB proof, and I don't think that's accurate. I think there's a lot of teams who win consistently in the NFL and at times have cycled through quarterbacks over the last decade or last couple of decades like I lay out here. 
who just more consistently have a roster and a coaching staff in place that can get it done, and they've more consistently done it than the Bears. I, you're you're 100% right. I guess what I'm talking about is, like, again, I think we're just – it's Sam, two different cases being made. Well, uh, two different bars to clear. Mm. Like, winning season, making the playoffs, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Real shot at a Super Bowl. I don't think there are a lot of examples of, like – they. Like but they, you don't think the Cowboys the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl. They haven't even made a oh, Super no, Bowl. No, no, they, they, they've had a they've I, had a real I shot. I thought at it. they were going to get a get a run at it this year, and they didn't again. But I mean, they're there every year. Like being in the mix every year is hard. Yep. But there's a bunch of teams who are in the mix almost every year without having that one guy that's cured everything for them. There's a lot of organizations that have just been better than the Bears have, regardless of who the QB is. Has been at Dallas Hall. You're, you're right. I mean, the the Ravens right now, anyway, he's about to win his second MVP. He wasn't yeah. drafted number one, right? but he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's on that track, yeah. I mean, if he mm-hmm. wins two MVPs, that there's no multi-MVP who's not in, right. in, in in the Hall of Fame, you know? So, yeah. so and he would have two unanimous MVPs mm-hmm. by the time he's 27. <laughs> so, it would be, I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that Lamar is on a Hall of Fame track yeah. uh, right now. Obviously, Mahomes, who, if he wins this Super Bowl, will have the third most playoff wins ever, and has been a starter for six years and is six for six of but making the AFC But I don't divorce Mahomes' game. success from the situation he's in in Kansas City. Neither do I. He's incredible. I don't know that I believe he would be the Patrick Mahomes that we see right now if he were here in Chicago, though. I don't think he. I don't think that the Bears would be in six straight NFC Championships games if Mahomes came here instead of going to Reed, Kelsey, uh, Tyree kill, uh, obviously, mm. but I think that the bears would have had a 4,000 yard franchise passer by now and a 30 mm. touchdown franchise passer mm. and would have won a playoff game or two, but you know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah. I, I do think that I mm. do think that like they would have figured that part of it out and that he's made, he's won with bad offensive lines. He's won with bad defenses. He's won with all sorts of different ways. I think he is truly, truly very special, obviously. Um, and yeah, the San Francisco thing is how like, Brock Purdy has become a polarizing figure in how people look at this sort of thing. Like, mm. how many quarterbacks do you think plugged into that system would have had roughly his degree of success? Because I think it's a big number. And my only evidence to that is that Jimmy Garoppolo had a ton of success there, mm-hmm. hasn't had much elsewhere. All right. Even when he was in a Super Bowl, they traded three first-round picks to try to upgrade from him, to try to get special mm-hmm. at quarterback. And then when that guy failed, the guy they picked last has had a tremendous amount of success there and was the favorite to be the MVP week 15 of the NFL season. Yeah. And they think that if he would have stayed healthy last year, they would have won last year's Super Bowl. You know, And they've got a pretty damn compelling case for it. Mm-hmm. So they seem to be the type of team that has been able to like plug in yeah. but then but then to argue against it like Debo Samuel gets hurt and he starts to struggle and his numbers go way down right because he's human but he's still got George Kittle and he's still got Christian McCaffrey and so that that yeah. still matters there's talent there and an excellent offensive line and but the question keeps him in it the question would be like if in two years Trent Williams retired Debo Samuel was on another team and McCaffrey was past his prime. 
is Brock Purdy good enough mm-hmm. to keep the Niners winning double-digit games and in contention? And, and if the answer to that is no, but then that's how why many I would want QBs a guy like, are? I think because it, hopefully the guy the Bears are about to if draft. If we're judging them by that, that Super Bowl is what we measure success as. If we're judging them by that standard, there are so few who walk the earth. Agreed. That are that. Agreed. But they can get one. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, no, but, right. but what I'm saying is, of course, of course potentially. Mm-hmm. But that's the most valuable thing in the sport. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Belichick has a losing record without Brady. You know? Yeah. It, 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 had the one Matt Castle season, but he yeah, had an 11 win. Good. He had an 11 win Matt Castle season. Other than that, has not been good. And that right. team won 17 games the, the season before. They were literally undefeated. Yeah. So, or 16 games. They, they won five fewer games when, <laughs> when Brady got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, I, I agree with you, they're unicorns. I agree with you, they're rare. But they are the single most valuable thing in football. It's not that they're the only thing you need. Mm-hmm. It's not that you don't need to support them. And the most valuable thing in sports, like that's anywhere in the sports universe, quarterback is the position that is most valuable. It is also the position that is most dependent. It is this odd juxtaposition where quarterbacks. It takes so much to be amazing at quarterback individually, but also so many things around you have to perform at a high level for you to win. At a high level. And that that's the interesting juxtaposition of where the Bears are at right now because this amazing opportunity with back-to-back years of the number one overall pick awaits them and is, you know, just there for them to grab, and they're probably going to do it. But but isn't it good enough? Don't they have enough around Caleb where you would say he's not coming into a situation where he would fail? It doesn't have to be perfect for him as a rookie. Mm-hmm. If he's as special as everyone says it is, and you sign us a veteran. I think it's a, a, more about the long-term bet. I don't think next, or I guess this coming season, I don't think Caleb Williams will step into the Bears and be a, a better quarterback than Justin Fields will be in 2024. But the long-term play, my impression right now is that long-term I would project Caleb at a higher level than Justin. It's still, I, I don't know some of the, you know, of course, the, the intangible of aspects course. of it, but my impression is, I view him as a higher-level prospect coming out of college than I view Justin Fields coming out of college. I'm just saying... Assuming they sign a veteran center, right, so that he can we can get him the ball snapped to him on time. Be a good start. <laughs> Caleb and that addition, plus everything else that's around him, the coaches, the line, the play, the, the receivers, the defense, all of it, that's not the David Carr situation. Yeah, right. That's, that's not the Sam Bradford with the Rams situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like That, that, yeah. that is a situation – where he should be able to doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they don't have to keep adding around him. Doesn't mean they don't have to do a good job. Doesn't mean they don't have to stay healthy and all that. But like that is a situation that Caleb Williams should be able to reach his potential in the coming seasons, plural. Mm-hmm. And that that's like yeah. It, so if you if the argument is like trade the pick, get a bunch of assets to like keep building up the team around him, so that it's like a perfect situation to drop the quarterback into. It's like never going to be a perfect situation to drop the quarterback into, and you never, you don't know that you'll ever get a chance to draft this caliber of prospect, right? Again, so, which is why I think the Bears will likely yeah. do it. Yeah, and I would, I would be on board. I would be on board with either version of it. They're likely to do it. It will probably make sense. It shouldn't absolve them of how good everything else needs to be as well. I, I agree with you on that. Like, I, I don't There's think a we're a lot of teams here who do it at a high level without drafting that guy number one. I, th- there are, there are. The Super Bowl stuff, though, is uh, you're like, I just removed 
Manning, Brady, Breeze, Packers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because how many teams get Manning or Brady or or Breeze? I, but what's the more plausible route towards sustained success? The unicorn quarterback or a franchise that just has good coaching and a talented roster? The good coaching and talented roster thing, that happens more frequently than the unicorn quarterback. Yeah, for nine or ten wins. Or consistent playoff berths Which and the occasional Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I want I want the dynasty. I want to take the shot at the dynasty. I want to take the shot. I want to yeah. I want to take the shot at it. Mm-hmm. And if it busts, we'll be back here in a few years, boy. Talking about talking about the right. 2029 class. Does Arch Manning have a younger brother? Well, let's, let's bring him on. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Right. You guys just stink today. <laughs> you just stink. Wow. I, I think I've been great. I, I was going to ask mean, how you great speed. You know, we've well, had... been kind of stinky too, Danny. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> really? <laughs> Afternoons on the score. Good stuff in that last segment. People very strongly with you. People very strongly with me. I don't even really think we're that far apart uh, on it, to be honest. But it's interesting stuff. Uh, you know what we have tonight? There's some people strongly with you on that? Yeah. They exist. Believe it or not. All right. The second text at the top. Congratulations on that. Strive for Peyton Manning and Patrick Mahomes. End of story. Okay. Yeah, strive for it. <laughs> Sounds great. It, 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 you act like they would need to trade Hallis Hall to take a shot at a guy who could be that good. They don't. They need to use a pick that was gifted to them by a team that their general manager, who's setting themselves up for success because mm-hmm. he's good at it, earned them. Yeah, I I think they're going to draft Caleb Williams number one, and it's going to make sense. All right. They, they better get better at a lot of other stuff, too. I, I No one disputes that. Yeah. No one disputes that. Well, uh, the, the texter who says, end of story, I think it sounds like they dispute that a bit. It says, strive for Peyton Manning oh, okay. and Patrick Mahomes. Strive, like, yeah. And, yeah. All right. I mean, strive to turn a number 10 pick into Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, do that, too. What would you, uh, uh, what, what would you say about like, Justin Herbert? Like, like, Herbert, to me is a top five quarterback in the NFL, probably around fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, eye test shows he can do anything on the field, but he hasn't won. And that's, I think, to speak to your point, like he's had two different coaches. He's had three offensive coordinators, and then they've had bad Chargers luck. They've had bad game management. They've had devastating injuries. He's in Patrick Mahomes' division. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's been a yeah. million reasons. But – while it would be frustrating to feel like you were wasting the rookie contract of this unbelievable player, literally no one in the NFL has more passing yards through the first five years of their career than Justin Herbert. You know what I mean? He is. Yeah. So like, the thought is that eventually you'll get it right with him and they go out and they hire. They, like Jim Harbaugh wants to coach the Chargers, presumably largely because of Justin Herbert. Maybe it would be like a Lions situation. And the Lions just wasted a decade of having Matt Stafford, who was clearly good enough, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, So no one is saying that it's the whole puzzle, Mm. but it is the biggest piece of the puzzle. You know, like if I'm a Chargers fan watching these last few years, I am obviously frustrated that we're not winning more with a great quarterback, but I'm excited to turn on the football game every Sunday to watch a great quarterback because I know on any given Sunday, we've got a chance because of this guy. That's how I'd look at it. Right. I mean, Consistent excellence is achievable without the number one quarterback or the the 
top five draft pick quarterback because there's a bunch of examples of, of that, of teams making the playoffs. But, yeah, when you have an all-time great QB, then, yes, you, you're going to have a bite at that apple on an annual basis. And, you know, even in the case of the Green Bay Packers, yeah, they had that Hall of Fame-level quarterback play. But to the example I'm giving here, the Green Bay Packers are an excellent organization, and neither Brett Favre nor Aaron Rodgers were the number one pick in the draft. And so right. my – my main point is there is so many – because when I've tweeted this out a couple of times in recent weeks, and when I first started doing this last Friday, I went in kind of thinking there's going to be like maybe four organizations that really make sense in this example, like San Francisco and Dallas and Philadelphia Baltimore. and Baltimore. Yep. Yeah. But there, then as I started going through, I was like, man, there's – like Kansas City wins all the time. The Rams have 12 out of the last 25 years have been 500 or better. And, yes, Kurt Warner, undrafted free agent, became a Hall of Famer. But was Kurt Warner just so incredible and everybody else messed up? Or was he in a place that nurtured and developed his skills in the proper way? And that, to me, is, is my bigger concern. With every franchise in this town, development is my big concern. The Cubs' World Series window should have been open longer, but all those young, talented guys who won the World Series didn't get better after they won the World Series. That was the big issue with the Cubs' World Series window. These guys from the White Sox, we were all really excited about a couple of years ago, they all stopped getting better because the White Sox did not develop them into a team that could enter a window and sustain a window. So for me, anything I've been around, development matters much more than just saying, we're going to have that one guy and none of the rest matters. Because those other six days of the week, when you're not quarterbacking on Sunday, there's a lot of stuff that people around you have to be helping you get right so you actually look great and, and win games on Sundays. And I just think that the, the only little phrase in there that I think is a little bit of a straw man is, mm -hmm. and none of the other stuff matters. I'm not saying that. Again, mm -hmm. like, if it's a puzzle, it's just the biggest piece. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that's what, If it's a steak dinner, it's the steak. <laughs> I want the dessert and the good wine and the potatoes. You know what I mean? But but I, I'm going to say I, I want the steak. But Shane, if you get a good cut of meat, can you still screw up a steak? Of course. Oh, my God. Of course you can. I've seen Danny do it. That's my <laughs> Yeah. I've, I've never tried Danny's steak. I, but I've, Danny's gotten a lot better <laughs> yeah. because okay. he has a good developmental team right. in is, meat. Is Shane your steak coach? He's the Andy Reid of my steak. There we See go, how I set man. that up? Yeah. Full circle, baby. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. Cast iron. You got to baste it. You got to baste it as it's going. You just taught me something. A little rosemary in there. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You also don't marinate in honey and leave the honey on there as you sear it on the cast iron. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. Did you learn? I learned. Okay. I so you it. never make the same mistake twice, I, well, like a young quarterback. Eh, never. <laughs> not never. Okay. All right. Never make it three times. All right. So if the coach goes to the podium, they'll say, Danny never makes the same mistake three times. That's what they'll say about <laughs> that, 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 That's right. Okay. Yeah. He occasionally makes the same mistake. Danny twice. is yeah. not the White Sox. He's come very far in the kitchen. Okay. Thank you. Not Well, he's come... He's come along in the kitchen. Thank you. I'm progressing <laughs> at my pace. That's all. You know, I, I sound like a Waldorf student. That's kind of how they do. Just progress at your pace. Not yeah, that's a, definitely a learning lesson. A learning lesson. I've had, I've had more than a few. Uh, the Bulls play tonight against the Lakers, and it's not on national television. <laughs> it's just a, like the, the names, the teams, the markets, the fact that it's a Thursday in the NBA, and it's just – a game. It's just a game. It's just a game. This is like a how uh, how the mighty have fallen moment. He's Anthony Heron in for Speaks. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. It's been a long four hours. Afternoons on the score.
I just want to give a quick shout out. Appreciate uh, John Greenberg over at the Athletic. He wrote a uh, a beautiful piece on uh, Craig Council, the new Cubs manager, and his relationship to me and my brother oh, nice. and our family. Um, yeah, it was it was a very very moving piece, and uh, I knew he was working on it. Make it a point to read, that. obviously. That cool. But he did a uh, he did a very very nice job, and uh, yeah, so that was that was cool to see that coverage, and it was fun to have the group chat that I'm in with uh, some of Brad's buddies kind of get recirculated around mm. and uh, send it to Brad's kids and his mm. wife and do do that whole thing. So it was nice of uh, John to tell that story. Yeah. So it's out there. Craig, yeah, Craig's a good guy. So. Seems like it's it. official that I'm a Cub now, and I'm talking to Danny Parkins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. That, man, that was surreal where he said And he, he called me, I don't know if you guys saw this, he called me a big deal in Chicago Okay. in the article. Did you tell him to talk to Jeff Agrist? <laughs> I, I know. He just got here, though, right? Yeah, he's not too familiar. <laughs> yeah, he's, find out. he's sucking up. Yeah, absolutely. So then anytime you break Cubs news, which I'm imagining will have to start happening then, we can all assume that you got it directly from the source. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, thank you. It's always, it's always good. Uh, I mean, listen, are you going to leak the opening day lineup? I, that would be hilarious. You got a guy for that? That would be so good. Well, guys, Miles Mastroboni's back in there opening day. Imagine if every day, like 15 minutes before it posted, I was like, Morell's at third, batting seven. That would be so great. Uh, no, Craig is not that kind of guy. He will, okay. he will not play into the media bit uh, uh, side, side of it right. too much. And I know some other people over around the Cubs. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, it's crazy, man. We're doing uh, we're doing a radiothon in partnership with the Cubs. Was on a big call. Doing another one? Yeah, doing the second radiothon. Uh, announced it at Cubs convention, but I was on a call for it today. Like, I don't – I can't – I'm not supposed to share necessarily the, the date. Uh, okay. But – a, but what can you that if half the things that they said on this call actually happen, this is going to be massive. Yeah, yeah. We raised like roughly seven hundred grand uh, to help build the grocery store over in Austin. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Well, I don't know. Might be too comma time. Might be too comma time. All right. Yeah. Cancer research okay. is the is the thing. Stand up to cancer. The MLB partner. Uh, the MLB charitable partner. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's, you know, Wrigley Field will be involved, 24-hour Radiothon leading into okay, a series. Okay, and so that was going to be my question. You will do 24 hours I'm of radio do, again? I'm going to do 24-hour. Right. Yeah, man. It's going to be big. And just, like, the first time, it was, like, an idea mm-hmm. and then a, some, like, internal support and some internal skepticism <laughs> is basically what happens uh-huh. if I'm being totally honest with yeah. you. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like I'm calling in a lot of favors and yeah. nickel and diamond and scratching our way to it uh-huh. or whatever. Uh, these, this is the Cubs and stand up to cancer. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of contacts. Yeah. So there's, it's just, it's uh, potentially a, potentially be a pretty cool thing. Later, and you, late this summer. And you do this without caffeine. Like I think when you, I did, it without you caffeine, did the yeah. last radiothon, I didn't know that you weren't a, is it not a coffee guy or not a caffeine of any t- any kind of guy? Like, any kind. Drink pop? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I used I, to I used to drink a bunch of uh, of soda or whatever, but okay. I, but not not anymore. Yeah. 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 I've gave it up. So well, yeah, that was pure quite an undertaking. Pure adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Pure. But I did have caffeine pills in my pocket, like ready to go. Greenies. So like a baseball yeah, Hall of Fame. Exa- exactly. Yeah. I had I had it. Did you bring that up to Hall yesterday? All these other Hall of Famers that are in all these pills they were popping back in the day. I brought it up. Okay. Good. Yeah. I said I was like you 
vote for a Hall of Fame? Because I was just making the Cubs Hall of Fame argument, and his argument was, I don't vote him for the real Hall of Fame. Why should I vote him for this? I'm like, well, it's the Cubs Hall of Fame, and there's no morality clause attached to it. So Hmm. it's two different criteria. Mm -hmm. uh, But that Hall of Fame that you, the big Hall of Fame, has steroid users in it, has racists in it, has domestic abusers in it, has people who took greenies and amphetamines in it. Mm. It's not like a bastion of purity. Uh, So I don't know why the Cubs Hall of Fame has to be when he's like, other than Ernie Banks, Harry Carey, and WGN, I would argue Sammy Sosa is fourth all time for the Cubs like being what they are. Mm. As a global brand. I had this stat that I gave him yesterday, and I know you said you were going to listen to the segment, but this way you don't have to. Okay. Because I thought it was my strongest argument. All right. Number of seasons that Wrigley Field had 2.6 million fans or more in attendance prior to the home run chase of 1998. How many seasons, history of Wrigley Field, attendance over 2.6 million? One. Number of seasons. With 2.6 million or more attendance post Sammy Sosa home run chase, every single one except COVID. Okay. Every single one. Right. And like half of them over 3 million. He he changed it. Mm. He, you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he, he he grew it. He expanded it. Like the Cubs were popular before 98. But super it went popular. Supernova after Sammy. Supernova. Yeah. Exactly. That's, w- that's what happened. Because WGN made him national. Harry mm. Carey made him national, of course. And that was before Sammy. But... The supernova I would thing. imagine David didn't disagree that Sammy enhanced the popularity. No. He just kind of had the morality argument. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Right. But I'm... Uh, but you wiped the floor with him. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Well, of course I did I wipe the floor with him. <laughs> listen, there's no such thing as a dumb question except that. Well, have to listen to this. Hey, you should check it out. Uh, I hear there's going to be a big debate in this studio tomorrow at 3 o'clock that Shane Reardon is uh, Can't wait for that. lining up. You're going to be back tomorrow? Uh, that's the plan, yeah. Cool. We'll get deep into uh, Championship Sunday matchups. We should. Yeah. Does, does Bishop want to pick games against the spread? Probably not. Okay. Sounds good. Probably should ask that off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I could do a Bishop impersonation or something. But, I mean, like do you that. know that for sure? Have you asked him? I haven't asked him yet, no. I haven't gone to the source. Ask him and let me know. All right. I'll if, ask. If he, or I'm, ask the daycare that you have him in at the score while you're working. <laughs> That'd be perfect. <laughs> I'll do that, too. Thank yous to Brady Quinn and Dave Wanstead, who are on the show at the same time. Whitey was also uh, on yeah, the show. Can't dur- forget Whitey. During Dave Wanstead's appearance. Who else did we have on? Oh, um. John Schifrin. John Schifrin. 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 John Schifrin. John, the new. It should be Schifrin. Schifrin's not really a name. <laughs> it's Schifrin. We'll see. Uh, uh, the new play-by-play voice. Of, you should know his name. We do know his name. Agreed. And it was lovely talking. What are talking we doing to, here? It was lo- I don't know. It was lovely talking to him earlier. Thank you to Connor O'Donnell and Kevin Lapka. Twitch chat, video stream. Thank you, sir. Shane Ritter, our executive producer. Thank you, sir. Chris Tannehill making us sound better than we are each and every day. Anthony Heron in for Speaks. I'm Danny Parkins. We are Parkins and Spiegel. This is the score. I mean, go ahead. Good luck. That's what I say. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.